I'ma say what I feel And I promise to keep it real Welcome to the Red Room Well, you gotta be a rider Till your fears are diminishing The doubts are behind ya It's hard to grind And the business got me stressed In the rent room We let that shit up off our chest You know the street nerd has got no time for no caca Sass in class Yes, that's Mr. Bolakaja Never have to guess When you're listening to Hilliard He gon' bring more game Than a shark playing billiards It's all about the crap of screenwriting It's exciting when you turn an outline Into something enlightening Your pen and words Are like bullets in a gun Write what you feel Say what you want Welcome to the Rant Room. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Hilliard Guest, and you guys are listening to the Screenwriters Rant Room. <laughs> Will we keep it real? We keep it opinionated. We keep it what, everybody? Wakanda. Wakanda. We still say Wakanda, y'all, because we got it like that. Hey, hey. <laughs> Fifth week, number one. I think you don't stop saying it until it stops making money. Right, hey. <sighs> okay. So they pull that shit on Netflix, right? <laughs> hey, and shout out to uh, Pacific Rim. Our cousin, our nephew from across the pond, John. John, boy. John, John, listen, we love you. Oh, she called him John, John, like that's her cousin or something. But there's no way in hell <laughs> nobody coming up for the next couple of weeks is going to bulldoze Black right. Panther. I'm so sorry. Right. But you know, it's in the family, so it's all good. All right. It's in the family. So let me introduce the show. So y'all know how we do it on the Rant Room. On the show, we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture. But our focus is always screenwriting, stories, craft, and shit like that. So you hear her voice? Mm. Lisa Bolakaja is back. Mm. Yeah, I back. was here last time. Back again. Taped. It is the incredible, rhymeable. Wait, did y'all see the post I put up last night? Because I was going through my playlist on YouTube. Because you know, I love DJ. I'm trying to get back into my DJ equipment. And I regret giving up my Newmark stuff. So I'm trying to get the stuff where I can just do it on my computer and just have my own little thing at the beach and do yeah. my thing. So I'm going through my files. And I had to re-watch <laughs> DJ Jazzy Jeff set. <laughs> wow. Oh, my God. And it was sad because I was going through other ones, like the great ones, and I realized that Jeff doesn't get the respect he deserves. Like, he right. did a two-hour set. A two-hour set? Where, I mean, you can do more than that. A real right. DJ can do the whole thing. But his set, like, not one time did I, like, zone out. Like, I've seen the this, this set mm-hmm. many times watching it. Is this from back in the day? This is, like, last year. Oh, okay. It's last year, like, 2017. Um, the Boiler Room, it's a place that has, they throw parties all over the world, and they invite different DJs to come in. Right. And he did the set, and I'm telling you, he made a soundscape. He took us on a journey, and it made you realize that if it wasn't for him, I don't think Will Smith would have made it. Hmm. Because he is so, I mean, just the old school, the new school, the way he like, watch, I mean, a good DJ, you watch the crowd, you play your music, and you don't necessarily have a set playlist, like you kind of feel... It was incredible, and I forget how good he is, and so I had to watch it again. So I was kind of jealous because I'm like, well, I got to get my DJ well, together. Think about it, Paul, Chris. That's a really good point, though. Back in the day before they started rapping, it was all about the DJ. Yes. Getting the DJ set the whole party. Well, that's true. The hype um, man came in and started going. <laughs> that MC <laughs> would come yeah, in and MC start hyping it up. Right. Go ahead, I mean, Chris. I mean, I think that at that time in the late 80s when you know the, he, he came up, hip-hop was... Uh, very much like this back and forth between the DJ and the hip hop. I mean, those DJ guys like Terminator X, mm-hmm. you know, like 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 they had such a persona as well as and a style, a style, right. you know. And and um, who's your boy who was with Karis One who got killed? Um, oh, I know exactly. What you're talking about. Uh, uh, you know what I'm talking about. Yes. Uh, I mean, it's just like like 
those guys were so important to to making the sound. Right. I think now, <clears throat> in the era post Puffy, when it was so much com- created in the computer, the DJ didn't get the same respect right. as you don't need him right. necessarily. The producers mm-hmm. doing all that for you, right. you know. So. Well, it was nice to see him have the actual turntable. Because a lot of times you see DJs now, and I, I understand. Like, right. they got techno- their computer technology out. Technology changes. It's, easier, it's right. easier to travel. Right. But there's something about somebody who still, he uses the computer stuff too. Right. But there's somebody who knows how to do the real turn, who knows how to, who knows when to drop it. Yeah, mm-hmm. when he knows how to drop it on the one, who knows how to fade and do those beats, who knows how to blend things when that BPM. Sometimes folks be messing up. Like, I like smooth <laughs> kids transitions. Are like, What's BPM? <laughs> beats, beats per minute, children. Uh, you know, it's just something about when you drop it on the one or when you know song or when you have your stuff labeled like I'm looking like when they show the stuff and I'm looking I'm looking to see if their records are labeled right, right. when they know when they bring that thing back because it's like when you watch DJ and in San Diego we have like DJ parties yeah. and usually a bunch of our friends get together and they DJ and we just make up beats <clears> and then people do things and there's something about rocking that crowd that music and it just kind of makes you zone out and do that and it's just I just miss that right. you know and I, I go to like music festivals and I see the DJs and their computers and stuff but mm-hmm. just just something about somebody who can just take records and a mic and just move the crowd and like those, those, I don't know, it's just something about those energy, like when that jam, when your jam comes on, and you're out there, and then they drop something else mm-hmm. that's a classic, and he was doing things like, he would play an original song, like, oh, old school, and then he'd mix in the new one, and then he would mix in, like, the, <coughs> the, the newer hip-hop beats and people who use stuff, like Kendrick Lamar, yeah. he would break, he, like, he deconstructed records to let the babies know, but he was also contemporary, because a mm-hmm. lot of times, you know, older GJs, they get stuck in their ways, and they only play their, their right. generation of music, right. but he had every, like, he mixed the Jones girls, Nights Over Egypt, <laughs> with the weekends, I can't feel my face. Bitch, right. come on. And it sounded like one seamless that record. Funny, right. Do you know how difficult it is to find records and be able to seamlessly create that tapestry? Bitch, I was up dancing. Right. And they were showing people in the crowd. That's and, skill. And, hey, yeah. and you know when you get a good dance cipher, it's like the music's so good. And, then, and I love the crowds that the Boiler Room puts together because you can dance if you want to. You can stand and listen if you want to. But sometimes you just see people. And the best people to watch y'all is black women. <laughs> if you got black women in your corner, they will let you know if shit is popping or not. Because right. I have to say, my white <laughs> sister. <laughs> Some of y'all were embarrassing me because sometimes y'all don't know when to like. No, this is the moment where we chill. This is not the do your goddess dance right now. That's not the time to do it, honey. I love you, but not the time to do that. You're supposed to bop the head you, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, like, or they get in, or like they're in a group, right, they jump right. in the middle of something. I'm like, who? Where are you people? <laughs> and most of the time it's my friend, so it's like, girl, who, who brought? I brought her. <laughs> She's my own girl. I apologize, but you got to watch black women and the art, my people. No matter what club you go to. And I've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. You wait for what I call the African jump. And I've said it before. Anybody who has any smidgen, which is pretty much the whole planet, but those of us who have a little extra melanin, <laughs> that little African DNA, no matter if you are in South America, whether you're in the Congo, whether you're in Jamaica, or whether you're in South Central LA, mm-hmm. there's a moment, and black women are good at doing this, there's a moment when the song gets so good to you. Mm-hmm. Like, it just gets so dank. <laughs> All right? Like, you feel it in your spirit. Right. And you just jump up. <laughs> like you're dancing, and they go, oh, shit. And then they hop up, and yeah, they come back like, down. It's oh. popping. You watch any club. Right. Go to a black club anywhere in the world when you look for that African hop. That's when you know you're killing as a DJ. If you ain't got no African hops, mm-hmm. 
you're not doing the job. <laughs> that's what's up. That's and that's my up. lesson on DJing, y'all. <laughs> that's my lesson. Lisa Bolikaz is back, y'all. You know what? That's my new podcast. <laughs> my new video podcast is we're going to go to different clubs <laughs> and we're going to listen to different DJs and we're going to wait for the afternoon. We're going to wait. It's going to be like an Olympic sporting event. It <laughs> <That laughs> never happened. Like, <laughs> he gets a zero on that exactly. scale. <laughs> right. Here comes Junie again about to do the breakdance beat. We're not at that moment, Junie. Step back, Junie. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got my man Chris Derrick in the house from the writing directing team, the Derrick Brothers. What's up, Chris? Not much. Yeah. <laughs> did you did you finish the reel? Mm-hmm. Yesterday. Okay. You happy with it? Not gonna tell us. He's about not gonna tell us. Right. I know. It was like, and that's in that conversation. No, no. It's just it was just like um, We had a great next. conversation on the last episode. We talked about like Doing the process, the yes. process of writing, the, yes. of making the director's like role. It was good. Yes. And, the, and I was, you know, I, I was trying to figure out this note that Carl Seaton gave me. I had to go back and look through all this footage and, uh, you know, like the dailies. I, I had to go back and look through all the dailies to, 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 find, to find the, the shot, to, to find the shots that mm-hmm. I needed. Um, and it was just, you know, it's a lot of work to, I mean, I mean, you know, because the thing about when we did that is, is that you, you remember how Co was editing it like right. off site. And so the brother and I like, never really saw all the footage. Um, and oh, I didn't even realize that. So you guys never actually never, looked through everything. Really he just put together the his rough. Yeah. The right. And you yeah, guys rough, came and in. And, and, okay, I mean, right. and, you know, he sent us like stills of all the setups right. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's one of those things we, had to, we were trying to look for something and. Mm-hmm. You just have to kind of shooting it and looking back. You just remembering. You got to remember. See, yeah. you got to remember from like years right. ago. Like, like what did right. we shoot? And right. uh, you know, and I'm looking at stuff. I'm like, God, did we do another take? Did we do another take? Oh, we did another take. Great, great. <laughs> we did another take. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you, Jesus. Now I can find what I. Did. Hopefully, right. it's gonna be the take. So I found that, and then um, you know, I had to have Alex do the color correcting because I I I didn't want to ask Shane to do it to just do like. Like literally, thirty three frames had to be recolored. I defined, mm-hmm. and I and I I couldn't go. To, you know, Shane's doing too much stuff. He's doing a documentary and everything. And I was like, so I had to wait for Alex to finish some stuff he was doing. You know, that's my other brother um, to color correct it. And we did it. I guess it was last. Was it last? No, it was Friday night. Friday mm-hmm. afternoon, evening. Yeah, and then I just put together last night. So it's all it's all ready to go. Nice. Okay, good. It's all ready to go. Then we got my man, our other big bro. The OG himself. The OG. <laughs> Paul Gio, y'all, writer, producer in the house. What's going on? How are you? I'm, I'm excited to be here. Yeah? Two, Look zero, at zero. Looking all tan. Okay. Where, where you been? You so nosy. You so nosy. Okay, look. Barely. It's not tan. It's whiskey. Uh, where you been? <laughs> <It's> whiskey. <laughs> he got his new girl. You can see the light on him, though, can't you? Good whiskey. You can see the girl. You mm-hmm. see the light. Mm-hmm. Why are you trying to keep it on the level up? Okay. <laughs> Look at him. Look at him. I'm bashful. <laughs> now I'm low key getting secondhand embarrassment because of you. Hilarious. Thank you. That's hilarious. <laughs> but yeah, where you been? I've been working. I've been doing that um, big, stupid, I mean, that <laughs> big, lovely broadcast procedural. <laughs> hey, that's and, my mama show. In CIS New Orleans. That's my mama and, show. Uh, that's my husband yeah, show. Coming to the end. <laughs> right. Coming to the end. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Two episodes left. Three episodes left. How many episodes? Um, We just finished breaking the season finale. They are shooting episode nineteen, prepping episode twenty, and then the finale is going to be a two-parter, twenty-one and twenty-two, that you'll shoot like mid-April. Nice. Are those episodes already written? 
Uh, no. Okay. Uh, so you guys still in a room for right now? Or? Not anymore. Now Friday was the last day. Oh, okay. So we finished breaking <clears> the season <throat> finale. Mm-hmm. And uh, so now the, the two showrunners are each writing one hour of the two part. And so now they're off writing. And then the next discussions next week in the room will be season five talk. All right. Got it. So. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so check it out, y'all. If you guys are grown, let's go ahead and get into the show. So y'all motherfuckers, <laughs> this is episode 200. Yeah. Can you believe it, Lisa? You've only been on about 40 of them. But. Uh, <laughs> <What>? <laughs> wow. I had, to, I had to throw that in there. That what? You know. You've been so slack. <laughs> she okay, missed about like, 10. Good 10, though. 10. God damn it. But, yeah, but 10. I have. Excuseless, excuseless. I travel for the week. For the week, look. Sometimes Whoopi Goldberg on the view has to go do some other things too. Right, I'll let you slide. You're up in the wilderness. You know, I do conventions. Doing your Phantom Zone photo. What is all that about? Your photo in the Phantom Zone. You guys, yeah, that was cool. That was cool. I like this. Hey, let me tell you. Shout out to Sam. We were so good. We bike. We rode our bikes every morning. Because mm-hmm. the hotel would give us free bikes, so they would they were some crappy bikes. They were cute bikes. They didn't take care of them. <laughs> Wheels all low. I had to go to the front desk like, look, y'all y'all charging <laughs> y'all this much money, Marianne. Come on, get it. Had to call the guy like, come on, I can get the machine and do it myself. I'm so used to just doing shit myself. Right, right. And he's like, no, we'll send somebody over. Like y'all got ten minutes because we bought the row. And then we would go, I would go swim, and then me and Sam would go sit at the IHOP and we break it down. We're talking about doing our alternative history of the seventies, right, and co-writing a secret anonymous uh-huh. thing. Right. And putting it out there in the world to see what happens. So we're secretly getting together. I'll probably be in New York sometime in the summer, so All we can right. break break the story down, yeah. get our get our anonymous names out there, mm-hmm. speak code to each other. <clears throat> and it was fun. You know, I got to see a lot of great people. Um, shout out to Ted Chang. Got to see Ted. Okay. Talked to him about Black Panther. Mm-hmm. He had some really funny insights. He was <laughs> like, I have to tell you what Ted Chang said. Hi, Ted. Uh, up, Ted, <laughs> Ted basically said. And I was shocked because I didn't think that Ted really liked superhero type movies, that kind of thing. And I shouldn't assume. And he was like looking at me like, why would you think I wouldn't go? I was like, <laughs> He's like, I'm a sci-fi dude. Why, yeah, yeah, why would I like that stuff? It's close. You're just, I just don't see it. But, um, <laughs> they used to make a judgment. <laughs> I'm not. No. And I love Ted. So he, we were just sitting there talking. I had a glass of wine in my head. It was so funny. And I, I apologize, Ted. I'm so bossy with him. <laughs> I'm bossy with everybody. All my male friends. Come do this. It was Maybe funny. it's the drinking hand. No. Huh? Well, see, what happened was I had missed, mm. my flight came in later. All my friends had got there a little earlier. So they went out and had dinner. But Sam and Ruby had dinner with him before I got like a couple hours before I got in. And I was so jealous. And I was like, what did you guys talk about? They're like, Black Panther. I'm like, oh shit. And they were like, no, no, no. And so I'm like, Ted, I heard you saw. He says, yeah, you know, we could talk. So we were like texting each other throughout. We see each other. Right. All right, we'll get a chance to talk. So finally he was like, oh, I heard you went to go see it again. Me and Sam went to go see it again. Mm-hmm. They have their, their version of IMAX in Orlando is some kind of big, I don't know what it's called, but it was a ginormous ring. Right. Lay back. Good popcorn, <laughs> you know, respectable theater. She always got to have her food. Don't look, <laughs> buttered up popcorn. You got to have it. I can't stand no butter on the popcorn. I, listen, <laughs> it's not popcorn with the butter. But we watched it again. I still got all the feels, and I went back again. I went back against my better judgment, and I still felt sorry for Eric. Like I got, you know, I get mad with him, but then I get it, and it's like, oh. And every time I see it, I see something new. You team Killamonger. And so finally, you know, we went back, and he was like, "Oh, I heard you. You saw uh, Black Panther again." I'm like. Where are you? He goes, I'm downstairs. And of course, I said, don't you move. I'm coming down to get my glass of wine. You stay put. 
And I came down, we sat down, and he was just basically saying, he says, well, you got to look at it from a Wakanda's point of view. He said, it's kind of like, he said, it's kind of like when Superman, the Superman movie, where Superman was like trying to run to save the bus and the kids on the bus, and the dad was like, no, and Superman's like, well, am I supposed to let them die, Mm -hmm. you know, to say, you know, to cover up what I got? And the dad's like, yeah, maybe you have to. So Ted was like, basically, Wakanda's been letting kids (laughs) roll off the bridge for years. Right. Right, and huh. in, in the face of trying to protect Through themselves and all that, well, just right. an idea of like sometimes people protect no matter how much you want to, you know, help. Sometimes it's that human nature you got to protect your own, regardless. And it made me think again. I'm thinking like, yeah, I can see it because it's kind of like people always this assumption that black people all the world are automatically going to have like a skin. Uh, a skin folk skinship tie just because they black, mm-hmm. and there's some countries that have and they no don't. and they don't, they don't mm. at all. And it's like don't don't be so negative <laughs> to continental. I got legs, 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 legs. That was Chris, leg, not Paul. What did the Nigerians and Ghanaians do to you? Don't even. I got legs. Says the real light skinned brother too. That's exactly why though. That's exactly why. Not light skin, light skin. No light skin. That is exactly why. But the idea is like there, it's Paul. There is racism within our own community. Well, worse, I need you to worse, know. worse than racism outside. Believe me, worse than yeah, says the light skin dude. All right, I think we've hit an issue. Just the brown skin black woman. Okay, right. <laughs> but no, I'm just you know it was just you just it's think, a whole another show. It's a whole another thing. But it was just the idea was like you know what. <clears throat> Sometimes you got to protect your own, and if you try to stretch yourself out, it's like we're all in this house. We only got so much room, and if we try to save everybody, the whole house is going to go down. Right. And a part of me gets that, mm-hmm. and a part of me is like, well, at least you can try to send some technology and some things, or you know, that's what the war dogs are for. So anyway, oh, and I want to say something right now. Go ahead. Why are you saying it like she all upset or something? She just do a clap back on <sighs> Zakani and Glenn. These are my family down in San Diego because okay. we just we went out to eat yesterday to celebrate some March birthdays, and. Some March, birthday. some March birthday. A couple bunch of us in San Diego, oh, like, okay. and then we have to do a thing called Mar. It's called Maple, Mar, Mar, March, March, April, March, April, okay. Marple, which is like we combine people who we missed from April. March and April. But it may be May, April, March, April. Anyway, sorry. But anyway, <laughs> they were saying like. <laughs> I was telling them, oh, how we were celebrating, we're all excited. And then they were just like, oh, but why they want to get excited now? Why they want to get into blackness now? Because it's some movie. We've been, we a real Africa. This is a, so it's kind of like, it was kind of like sliding into that Hotepish, Ashilary conversations where it's like, my thing was, you can have black joy in the midst. You can do both things. And sometimes people are inspired by art. Some people might not know some things. And I'm talking to people in my family. They're conscious. Uh, as the young people would say today, they woke. Like, we know. They're African drumming. Like, our community is, like, hardcore. Like, been to Africa. We do stuff. Connected with the Native community. Like, we do that shit. We know that. But I was trying to explain to them that not every black person has that. Right. And so it's like, in times, and I, I try to explain to them the reason why Black Panther was so important. It's like, you know, the last six years for black people, it's always been rough. But these last six years, all the stuff that's been going on, Black Lives Matter, people getting shot all the time for no damn reason. It's like we needed to have this black joy. We needed this moment to just celebrate and be happy to see us being superheroes and seeing all kinds of us, bad guys, good guys, people in between, and it was joy. And so what I tried to do, the analogy was, you the type of Negroes that would say shit like, when it was slavery time, the civil rights, oh, how come y'all having a house party and celebrating, they beating us up and hanging us in the trees? Nigga, can we have a moment to just have some respite, to have some joy? And then finally, I think I, I convinced the Connie, like, you can do both. You can do both. You can right. celebrate, and you can still be conscious and do your work work and all that stuff, but we can still be happy to see black people. They just said we were doing overdoing it when 
when we were dressing up. And I said, y'all don't say shit when everybody in Star Wars dressed up, including me. Right. Y'all don't say nothing. But we get this one thing. One thing. And we want to show out, and y'all want to get embarrassed. You get the one That's thing. Crazy. But what about the club every weekend? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and that was my inside voice. Like, what about the club? Anyway, that's my... Right. my get every yeah. bit as important to celebrate Thank you. Like, like that. Because if you're not, then it's not going to make it count. Yes. But. And can it's I not say gonna matter. And Black Panther's for everybody. I know y'all saw that tweet that went around mm-hmm. and when he tried to say that Ready Player One is going to be <laughs> the Black Panther for for gamers. I'm like, bitch, do you yeah. not know that black people and Mexican people, everybody games. Gaming right. is not a cultural thing. Right. It's like a, a natural, it's like right. eating. See, Take a shit. See, right. see, this everybody is, does it. This goes back to my discussion what we were saying earlier about all these things about race, class, or gender. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you're trying to put Ready Player One into some, you, that you're trying to Put it in a box. You trying mm-hmm. to that, that you're trying to that you're trying to put this tribe that is going to be uh, you know around it. And I'm just like, if you, you know what? If you grew up in if you grew up in the '80s, then you can watch Ready Player One and appreciate it. Yeah. If you grew up in the '90s, you can watch that movie and appreciate it because that's what the movie is talking about. Right. It's just it's just using virtual reality, which is what we're all gonna have to you know like face sooner or later anyway, yeah. to tell that story. So I think that's <laughs> like it's just part of like how how everyone claims that we need to be more inclusive and more and and, and more like accepting of stuff, but we're still finding stronger and stronger like ways to draw lines and borders and and and, and demarcation lines about people. And I think that's just wrong. Right, it's wrong. It ain't, I, can I just say, in, in, in Blacklandia, that's not us. <laughs> in Nativelandia, that's not us. <laughs> How far is that from Portland? <laughs> but it speaks to that thing that, that frustrates the hell out of me now, and just the culture of, a lot of times I call it the culture of outrage, but it's just this culture now, like you said, we have to put everything in a box. Mm-hmm. We have, you know, Black Panther comes out and blows up, and instead of appreciating, like, here's a, movie that is doing something that hasn't been done since what avatar right. or mm-hmm. whatever right. and everybody's like you know then you get the people going like well that's you know they've ruined it now <laughs> you know the other movies aren't making money now because of that bad black panther right. and then right. there's uh, all this stuff and then they start <laughs> trying to compartmentalize it and then they start well that's is only making this wait, money because wait, of this and this wait, and right. that's uh, that that shade that's that that's for you, Scott. And Scott, you need to come on the podcast. I know you out here in LA. Scott, who writes before, and that was the person uh, Mendelson who wrote that one article that was trying. Oh, to, that was. And I would just say this, not to say I'm defending him, but I'm just saying, I'm just saying. I didn't even know this article. I'm just saying, it was just a bad title. What was the article, Paul? Okay, wait a second. And, 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 I want to. Okay, it's funny. So you know, I, I think it was more than a bad article. title because I read the whole thing, and to me, that was like. This is racist. Okay, it it is. It It was. It was. (laughs) I want to hear your perspective. I want to hear your perspective. And look, and the drag was real and uh, deservedly so. You know. For those who don't know, what is it? I understand the clickbait title. Well, go ahead and tell them what it is. Well, the the, the title was very clear, but basically, he was saying he was blaming the success of Black Panther is going to make it difficult for other tentpole movies to succeed, and that other movies aren't making money because because of of Black Black Panther Panther, instead of Tomb Raider, all the other ones. Not that they were bad movies or not. They was like, and you were saying, Paul, despite like Avatar coming out and doing the exact same thing when it comes out. They're just saying the same thing about. I it. never saw any article saying Avatar anything or any about other, Avatar or Titanic or, or anything okay. else saying it's just okay. okay. But now here's a movie that is, you know, black. 
Can I can and I just say that my peoples came and they did Dragon Bias Follicles, <laughs> and I think they tried to change the title. I think they changed the um, the title a little bit. What was the title again? <sighs> it was the original. Uh, Black Panther. I need to look on the Wayback Machine. I can't. Oh, it, was, yeah. it was nasty. <laughs> All right. So so. <clears throat> and I tried to look at it from the viewpoint. Okay. Okay. Like don't like I tried to read it just an article. Like okay. Well, what are you trying to say? <sighs> but then. It is what it is. What are you yeah. saying, Chris? What are you? It okay, is what it so is. here's the thing that I guess this guy's not aware of, and it's just, it's just, this kind of just makes sense to me. It's like Black Panther is released in February because it's, I would assume that the people at Marvel are saying, that's Black History Month, let's take advantage of that. Right. Historic, smart, smart marketing. Okay, smart marketing. <clears throat> Historically, in the film industry, Movies that get released in January, February, in the first three weeks of March are usually the dump movies. That's yes. They're usually so not true. good. Yes. Very, because, because, very good because they, you yes. know, so, so Tomb Raider, having not seen it, seen the trailer, looks bad because, it, <laughs> because there's, it's all CG. It's right. all CG. Right. And I'm kind of like, post-Jason Bourne, you shouldn't be doing that much stuff, that much CD, because mm-hmm. that scene where she slides into the thing and the slow motion of the blade going by in her face, it's like, that looks bad. Like, Preach. who are you trying to fool? Preach. Who are you trying to fool? Preach. So they dump that movie because they know it's not good. Right. And it's the third version of that movie. But here, let, and, this not, is, so, and this is my... So, so, who, so, so, who, so who's my argument? And this is my argument. watching it? Yeah. So I'm not my argument well, to that. I have the same argument about Wrinkle in Time, though, unfortunately. I don't unfortunately. Know. Oh, I mean, okay, look, I'm not... You know that phrase... It looked like a Tim Burton movie, me, but, you, but spectacular. If you can't say Tim Burton, if you say something good, don't say nothing. I ain't saying nothing. I love Ava, and she know it. But damn it, I could. Did you read that that one? Inc- I thought incredibly brave review. Um, Monique Jones, maybe she writes for Slash Film. Did mm-hmm. you read that? Mm-hmm. And she was she was saying this is the hardest review I've ever done in my life because she's just proud black woman right. she went and she started two full paragraphs about how important this movie is right. and what so it means it and what right. it stands for and she understands it and for every you know 12 and under you know girl out there it's fantastic and everything and she goes but, but now I gotta break it down but now I gotta tell as, an, as hey. a film right. to stand hey. on its right. own and she's like Mm-mm. hey and we had this discussion at ICFA like mm-hmm. me and Sam and Ruby and all of us went in and, and talked it's like there's one thing when you want to have that positivity thing but at the same time as a film critic as people who are on talk about especially people black people who are making film we want our shit to get better we gotta be honest about shit we have to you know we be giving shit a hall pass all the time and, and, and you know and I've said it in my tweets and I said it to Sam and them it's like I, I felt like I think the movie became more of the message mm. and I feel like the three the Mrs. Who and all of them I think they overpowered they should have been recast I don't think Oprah mm. should have been in it right. I don't think Reese Witherspoon or Mindy I think it. why is the kid the best actor in the movie why is the story really his movie the, the Asian kid is his movie, hmm. the way it's set up. I haven't read the book, but that, I, I mean, I'm not taking, this is not on Ava. That's a script that the notes that executives give you all the time that like that burn scripts, that leave scripts in development hell mm-hmm. were, were, were either not given or were ignored. And a lot of mm. people were probably going in on the goodwill <laughs> thinking it's Ava's name and we're going to do this thing. But it's like, look, well, that all you got to have a character that's had, had some agency. Mm-hmm. The little girl did. I mean, I loved None. it. The kid. The kid, the kid itself. But she had no, it, it was like getting on the magical school bus and let's mm. go see this brand new fantastical set. And I didn't feel like 
the magical stuff, the stuff, it didn't feel full. It felt like it was missing something. It didn't feel like a really fully developed it, world. It, to me, that was it a looks story. Like, it was, like, it was right. like pretty sets. Oh, now here's the pretty yeah. thing now, but it was like missed opportunities, and it's just missed things. And there's just certain things we talked about. Like, I think the whole thing with the hair was overdone. Okay, we yeah. get it. Knock, knock. Got it. Right. And uh, guess what? That's not even how they're described in the book. Yeah. So, I don't right? know. And they're trying to do these things, but I think <clears> what happened was they tried to do something, you know, heartfelt. And sometimes shit don't work out the way you want it to. And you know what, bitch? That's okay. Because you will get to make other movies she like is. everybody else. Right. So she's making new yeah. gods. But here's, yeah. here's the thing about that yeah. movie. So I was just telling you guys off mic, there was that thing where the, the, the director's chair, it was an interesting conversation that... Uh, with John Carpenter? John Carpenter has with... with um, Chris. With, uh, uh, with Robert Rodriguez. And he says something about... Um, Going back to the reshoots, mm-hmm. and which is a word we hate, <laughs> right, right? Right. But and he was saying that when that when he within that when Quentin first had to go back and do some reshoots, we like to call them pickups. He, um, <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the language, the language makes it more, it makes it happier to go, go down ahead, easier. So he said that he felt like a failure having to go back. John Carpenter. John Carpenter said you wow. feel like a failure when you go back, and he. And, and and Robert said that's exactly what Quentin felt like. He mm-hmm. was like, I don't want to do this. You know, these, the actors the actors are looking at me like, I don't got to wear this costume again. I got right. it was, it was all this right. kind of like. And, I grew and, my hair out by now. You know, whatever the fuck. I mean, there's, right. there, and there's there's all this flack you getting. You can't preface it to him like we may have to do some pickups, y'all. So I'm but just like, you don't know until you start editing. But sometimes you don't you know. know. Yeah. And it's right. one of those things where right. he, he, he basically was like. You know, filmmakers don't want to do that, and I don't know. But they, but he said, John Carpenter was like, we had to go back and do pickups on the thing, and I, I think they're, ta- I think he was talking about Kill Bill. They had to go back and do some pickups. Hmm. I don't really know, um, but it's like you have to do that, and it's like it services the movie, right. and I feel like they didn't do that in Wrinkle in Time. Because if they did it and it got out, the the the, the politics of that would have been hmm. been like enormously bad press. This anointed director and it's has to un- go and, back it's and, do and, and and what it points to is unfairness that if we would have had all kinds of people making movies anyway, mm-hmm. this wouldn't have been an issue. But like any other filmmaker, oh well, you didn't do as great as you thought it was. Next, but because and it's unfair to her, but it's like it is what it is. When you want the first black woman to get a hundred million dollar budget, mm-hmm. that pressure's on you. It's like sending out Martin Luther King right. to go make a touchdown, <laughs> <laughs> and brother, it didn't happen. <laughs> you right. know, right. you got to the fifty yard. We almost there, and then you tripped up and fumbled, and right. it's like, well, damn. All right, who's next? <laughs> you know, will you be able to get up and play again? Right. You know, and it, and it's unfair. But hey, you know, she do she tried to do, and I think it's going to be one of those classics like the Oz. I think it's going to be one of those ones that's going to find its audience. People will buy it. <laughs> you know what? Chris I'm trying to be hopeful you. here. I'm being hopeful. Don't be hopeless over right. there. I'm not hopeless. So you just being real. So check it out. We're only like 30 minutes in. So I want to talk about the fact. Seriously, I'm listening. <laughs> this is the 200th episode. You know, this that's a long. I'm very proud time. to be here, man. That's, thank you. It's a thank big you. Big deal. It's huge. What happened Most, here? Did you know this? Most podcasts don't last to episode six. Shut up. Because you think about it, what's that? About a month and a half, if you drop one a week? Mm-hmm. By then, tensions, attitudes, Personality people's personalities, they yes. start having their, you know, whatever, and we've lasted this long, 200 episodes. Actually, we've done 
You were more. saying before. Yeah, we I were on, hear our, about on our other show. See what happened was. What happened yeah. was. <laughs> Apparently there was some Act Zero <laughs> podcast. So Lisa and I used to teach at the Organization of Black Screenwriters, right? And we used every, me, you. They call it teaching. I call it just talking shit. Yeah. Like, look, people. <laughs> me, you. Get your shit together. Kevin, Tracy Grant, yeah. you know, Ron. Mm-hmm. We all be outside every Saturday. We'd be just chopping it up. And, and. Basically doing the fucking podcast. We mainly would be talking about is the things that we couldn't talk about while we were there. Right. You know, because you have to watch your mouth. Because you have guests, and, and the format there was right. talk to the guests, and right. yay, and then try to hustle them out before people start jumping on them. Right. And literally, the old head, we'd just be in the back, and I was snack girl, and then I was I think I was like the VP for a while, but I was snack girl because, one, I'm bringing the snacks, mm-hmm. and I'll it was, snacks yeah, it. it was like, you know, you get your free membership, mm-hmm. bring snacks, chill in the back, and there'd be like this, like, peanut gallery in the back right. and it'd just be us chattering blah 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 and then Jennifer would be looking like y'all be quiet back there and then we'd be in the parking lot afterwards just sh- chopping it up right. and it got to be people like y'all always out here talking shit about stuff and I'm like well stuff you need to hear right and and <clears throat> I've been approached a couple times from different people saying hey you got you should start a podcast or whatever and I was and I was going to be on another network at one point and it was more like well we have to watch the language and we have to do it I was like that ain't how me and Lisa Chop it up though. We go in on some shit. So then my nephew Kev, Kevin Robinson, has a podcast called Kev Hates Hip Hop. Kev. And he was on this previous network before he started his own too. And so I'd listen to his show and I'd be like, dude, I love it. And he'd be like, hey, you know, I'll hook you up with this dude. So I came over, met with him, and we chopped it up. I told him what I wanted to do. And he's like, well, let's do it. Let's, let's try one. So then me and Lisa did like a little, what? Pilot episode, if you will, because right. he had to bribe me. Like he had to take me to right. uh, what was the place? The, the chicken Where and waffles. Were we? It's Ros- the place yeah, we always yeah, go. Yeah, not yeah. Roscoe. It's the other we place. Went to CJ's. Yeah, CJ's. Oh, yeah. CJ's. So I made him take me to CJ's like twice, <laughs> like two different Saturdays. Like you got to feed me and talk to me. <laughs> Talking about feed me, ain't, ain't, no, ain't no coffee shop sitting there <laughs> sipping some lattes. Like bitch, I need to eat. You need to really fill me up and really yeah, convince me. Shy going on, then right. you know, then, then, then you'll feel a little better. Look, no. look, and CJ's. <laughs> hey, shout out to CJ. And it was like, yeah. Oh. And I was, and I remember just being. There was a moment of like doubt, like because the thing is, when you're doing something new and everybody's doing it, and you're so mm-hmm. used to listening to the NPR and stuff, and it's like, ain't nobody gonna let us get on there and right. talk the way we talk. Right. We gonna have to come <clears> in scripted. <throat> we gonna have to be. And, and Hilliard was like. No, it's whatever. And so we were just shooting topic ideas. So I could talk about that. He says, whatever you want. And I don't have to filter my mouth. And right. I can actually talk how I talk in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. And not when I'm at the OBS in front and being the vice president and being all, hello, and here's our <laughs> guest, blah, blah, blah. Thank you for coming in. Like, we get to, like, do whatever. Right. Two meals. And I said, all right, let's go do it. Yeah. So then we, we did it. And it was fine. We actually had a good time. And um, it just wasn't the show we wanted, you know. And... It just wasn't the, the show and the network we wanted. The, the rest of it was all hip-hop based and real ghetto street stuff. Mm. And here we are doing this street, this, uh, this uh, podcast, and it just didn't, didn't feel right. So right. I was talking to my producing partner, Pamela, <clears throat> and she was like, well, maybe y'all need to you know, do your own thing. And I was like, well, how am I going to do that? She's like, uh, just get your equipment. I was like, hmm, didn't think about that. She's like, how much are you going to cost? I was like, I need this and this. She was like, here's a check. Go get it. And I was like, oh, shit. Okay, so I had no choice. And then you had to learn real fast how to do everything. (laughs) Exactly. So I got my nephew. I was like, how do you do this? How do you do this? He's like, we went over to to the the guitar store and got all my shit. And I was like, Lisa, we we got our own network. What we did before, we were still called Screenwriters Rant Room. But um, Pamela encouraged me to brand my name. 
So that's why it's Hilliard Gasset Screenwriters. We just abbreviated it. So how many of those did you do? We did 10. Actually, we did like 11. Like 11. Wow. We did about 11. 11. The last episode, I interviewed him, if I recall. I think Mm so. And then I let him know this is going to be the last one. (laughs) You know what I mean? We're doing our own thing, whatever. And uh, he never aired that one, though. Uh, I think he was embarrassed of his own stuff. I'm not sure. Um, But then we started our own, and our first one by ourselves you were reminding me what our first one was with him. It was about the Oscars or something? Is that what you said? Yes, because it, it, the Vanity Fair article came out, and I came in, and right. I said... That was a controversial one, too. And I said, how are you going to have Lupita Nyong'o mm-hmm. on the inside flap? <laughs> we know she's going to win the Oscar. Stop your bullshitting. And right. I remember just went off, and I was like, and I made all my predictions. I said, this is going to win, boom, boom, boom. Right. And then it came to pass. Right. And people were like, well, shit. I said, y'all don't know who you're fucking with. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I said what I said, <laughs> underline. And it was really, and it was like the first time, because I remember we got comments from people, and they were just like, whoa, you were just right. talking. And it's like, why, I, I have, I, what they am I afraid heard of? none about like us. And I was like, why am I afraid of Hollywood? Like, what's going to happen to me? Right. Well, I'm just me talking stuff. And it's probably <laughs> stuff y'all probably need to hear, but y'all got to be mm-hmm. all, you know, PC, oh my God. So and so, I I didn't care. You know, I'm just a fan of cinema and a fan of TV shows, and I was just saying this is what I think. And I think that response, um, yeah. people were like, "Thank God." You know, well, yeah, you know, it. there's always the thing is that when people speaking doing their thing, they're afraid that what they're going to say is going to come back and bite them. They're afraid their opinion is going to hurt them. But you really can't hide your opinion. I mean, you can, but then you're like... Then you're not being real. Yeah, you're not being real. Right. But, but, and the only time that happened <clears throat> was when... You're suppressing so much yeah. about who you are. I remember a couple weeks... Because, like, I mean, <clears throat> if I see something that I don't like, and it's like such a violent reaction about why I don't like it, but then I dis- but except then I can't say anything about it because I don't want to offend anybody, then it's like, you know... Well, well, there's one topic you don't want to talk well, about. Though. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just like when I said, and I made the comment, and I mean, some people are like, how, how can you say that? When I made the comment was, I said, for 12 Years a Slave, because that was the year um, that we did the podcast, when they, it came okay. around in February. And I said to myself, I said, 12 Years a Slave is not Chiwetel's movie. The heart of that movie is Lupita Nyong'o. Without her in that performance, that movie would not be where it is. Right, good point. And I said, mark my words, she's going to win an Oscar. He might get nominated. He ain't winning shit. <laughs> because the movie is her. <laughs> and people were like, how can you say that? I said, well, I love Chiwetel. I'm a fan. Right. And it's like, well. You've been talking about Chiwetel for years. Oh, that's my husband. I still think he, you know, I, I still think he should have been in Blade Runner 2049. Yep. All oh, right. It just would have right. killed yep. that movie. Right. Yep. But, but see, okay, you're right because of this. This is the thing about Toby Years a Slave. Chiwetel's character is like, he's got these two things he's going to do for the audience. He's got to like be the transportive character to bring you from the from the his free world to that world right. and then to get out I mean he's such the he's such the journey man guy but it's kind of like he's a cipher in a sense yes because he has to be for how the like the film is because mm-hmm. it's all being told through his eyes and he's witnessing something as opposed to really explaining what he's going through I mean, you know, I mean, he's going to do some serious shit. Like yeah. when he gets like this, it's terrible. Right. Yeah. But the the uh, the but he seems like he's very he's a smart person. The character's smart, so he, it's kind of like he knows how to avoid really tough situations throughout that he that is in, in that tough time. 
and the character that Lupita Nyong'o plays, she can't avoid those situations. She doesn't know how to because she's not. She's never been free. Mm-hmm. The fact that he's been free, it's like you know, if you get involved in anything that's some uh, initiation period or some bad thing that you've gone through, then you know how to jump through the hoops the right way. Right. right. And she didn't. And it's like in that scene when it's like you know she can't use the soap and then he's got a whipper. It's mm-hmm. like, that's some really hard shit. It'd be different if he was the one getting whipped, but he's not getting whipped in that movie. And know? when he's leaving, being taken away and she's standing there and you're like, fuck. And I said, that woman mm-hmm. just needs to pick out her dress. <laughs> <laughs> have her speech ready. <laughs> I mean, when have I been wrong? Well, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> in my prediction, when it's an honest, I mean, I told y'all, I texted y'all I tweeted out to well, one. There was the last one. one. Well, there was one. I was robbed. But they got robbed. I was about to say, Jake Gyllenhaal. In, uh, and Night, I am still Night fucking Crawler. bitter. Right. I am still fucking bitter. Mm-hmm. And if I ever see Jake, <laughs> I'm going to hug him, mm-hmm. and we're going to pat him on the head. And I said, you've been robbed. <laughs> like a little puppy, Jepal. You have been robbed. <laughs> that was yours. And maybe I'll go, if you come with me to the Toys R Us, they're having a half off sale. I can get you a fake Oscar on Hollywood Boulevard. I can get you the one that says Oscar, best, best. Riz Ahmed was robbed. Mm-hmm. You know, Renee Russo was robbed. I don't think she was even nominated. She I said wasn't. She, she, she was wasn't. supposed to, but she should have been nominated. She might not necessarily won, but she should have been nominated. She should have got a Best Supporting Actress. Right. She definitely should have. I mean, you know. I mean, but anyhow. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that was a movie. It was a great movie. I don't know why it didn't get more traction just with everybody. And the script. Oh, the script. Oof. Bitch. Have you, have you looked at that script? One of my Paul? favorite screenwriters, oh, wow. please. Please. That's the one where they don't use uh, um, slug lines. There's like no exterior, interior. It's just all. I will hold that exterior. bitterness. Yeah, someone. Yeah, I'd it. love to. I will Man. hold that bitterness deep in my spirit. <laughs> because I sat there and I'm like, he's going, you give it to him? I was like, mm-hmm. I hope he rehearses. Stand up straight and tall. Right. Make sure your hair is slicked back. <laughs> and when they said the other dude's name, who, you know what? Who beat him that get, year? Was it? Was it, it was uh, the guy who was in... Freddie Redmayne for uh, uh, the playing the, the guy the guy who just died? The scientist, the physicist? I can't remember uh, who it was. You know what I'm talking about. Oh. It, it might have been. Theory of Everything. Theory of everything. Yeah. Um, what? Whatever. <laughs> Stephen what? Hawking. Stephen Hawking. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Is it that year? I'm trying to think. Is it that it year? It might have been. It doesn't matter. That was his. And he was robbed. That's the end of the story. So check it out. So check it out. <laughs> but, but, but seriously, so this is our 200, 200th episode. <clears throat> and you know, there's, there's, as y'all motherfuckers know how we know, there's nothing planned here. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> If you hadn't noticed. <laughs> I just want to talk about it because to me, I'm just blown away that we made it this far. Because something y'all don't know, every week I'm like, should I do another episode? You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I'm fucking busy. Right. And, but, but I know all of a sudden I'll get an email from somebody or some young writer from the Writers Guild will come in and be like, hey, right. I saw your podcast. Can I come and chat with you? I'm like, right. sure. And then I'll chop it up. I'm like, I can't not do my show. I'm giving game to people. Like, they need to you feel that responsibility. Because yeah. what's his name? It's two guys I know who podcast. Uh, uh, Malcolm Gladwell. Mm-hmm. So he dropped like 12. And he took a break. Right. Season two was like a year later, and he came right. back in another twelve. Yeah, Malcolm Gladwell you can know. do that. So <laughs> we take a break, we lose yeah, everybody. But he does that, and, and then what, what's his name did it. Um, <clears throat> Brian Koppelman took some time off. Right. You know, I why just, you naming all these big people? <laughs> well, no, but no, because I'm, I'm curious. To, I'm curious to think about in terms of like how you think would, would happen if you took like a week off or two weeks. I mean, off. I could. I just have found that whenever I've done it before. 
We lose hundreds of people. It's funny. Like, boom. You got to grab them back again in like two really? months. So you're saying, like, you, so you'll, if you drop a, an episode and then if there's not another one following it, if there's two or three weeks in between, you'll have a lot less. Yep. Wow. No matter who it is. Still. That's, mm-hmm. huh. I didn't. But why, that's, why would that be? that's the art of, of having a celebrity name, though. You have a celebrity name. If you're John Ogden and Craig, Mag- Craig Mazin, right. you're, you can say we're taking off for three weeks or we're taking I off mean, for a month. I don't think they have, back. though. They I, did. They, they have, have, they they have seasons. Times they, they have yeah. seasons. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, right, right. And they kind of put like, <clears throat> but yeah, but the weeks they're off, they're still sending out filler. They have bonuses. bonuses they have other little. Record, yeah, right. so they're never like not putting something out. Right. Or they'll, they'll show like mm-hmm. their favorite old episode. Mm-hmm. I've done a couple of those. Like we've actually have done about 215 episodes according to episodes I've dropped because I've dropped some bonus, but I don't count bonus episodes. A lot of people do. Yeah. Right. You know, so I just keep it exactly where it is. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, I'm just amazed that we made it this far and that, you know, I'm appreciative to all the, the guests who listen to the show. You know, we're all over the world, 150,000 people listen. And here's the thing. We hardly fucking promote this show. We have no website. <laughs> we have a Facebook page. I always think that if we did. Word of mouth. We, we have no Patreon. Oh, we have I'm no. I'm tell you. You know what I, I mean? I, you know, I, I, um, I started putting together the Patreon page last night. Okay. How probably have it already. Well, well, before next weekend. Okay, cool. <clears throat> yeah, we need to do that. I mean, it's I spend you know probably two or three thousand dollars a year on this podcast alone, just by myself. You know, just taking care of this. It'd be nice to get a couple little. And people have asked me, you know, hey Hilliard, um, do you guys have a Patreon? Do you guys have a I donating know. You, you, page? You tell me yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. No, I'm just like, giving it to you. You know what I mean? We need whatever. to do a Patreon page. I'm yeah. setting it up. I, yeah. You told me last time. Yeah. I was like, awesome. Okay, you do a little bit of promotion, and it'll. It'll blow up huge because I mean you already get an amazing number of listeners because what you just said right. you don't promote this thing at all. I mean I remember I heard about it because Pilar, Pilar. Right. and that was it. And I was like, wow, who's you know like who these crazy people? Who are these people? And I listened to the first episode I listened to. I was like, wow, who are these people? It's like nothing else out there. It was like nothing. I was just thinking my favorite episodes have always been. It's always, well, let's talk about it's, always, it's always great to have people, big name people, and like, oh, hey, oh. But my favorite episodes, I have to say, is when friends of ours who mm-hmm. we know have been on the grind for years and they get, right. they get on. Right. And it's just so proud. And it's like, because we've been there, we've seen them do the struggle, we've seen them do all the things, and then, then they finally get there. You know, they get the baton and they get to run and do it. It's right. just such a thrill. And there's so many people out there that I, you know, just, just so many of them. And like those who were just like, man, you know, I remember when I was like, I was thinking about like the five bottom. of them, like Diara, yeah. Patrick, like a yeah. bunch of people. Yeah. And you know? a lot of them just, and you rooting for them mm-hmm. and then big things start to happen for them and you're just so excited. And it's mm-hmm. not even about, cause a lot of times in this business, you know, people get jealous. People get like envious, but I don't ever feel that way. I always feel like, oh my God, that person really deserved that because you've seen their hard work. And the good thing about the people, at least the people I hang around, they always reach back and hook everybody else up. And those are typically the people I roll with. And it's like those who are doing successful, hey, but the people I love are the ones that always reach back because that's just what I love. Go ahead. Oh, since you say about um, people you know on the grind and what they do and people get jealous, I mean, you know, the, the business is so. It's so mercurial, you know. It's and it's always about you. Just need one person to say yes, right? And you know, you might have twenty people saying no, and a lot of people are probably really discouraged by yeah. those those twenty people saying no, and you're just like, what is going on? Right. And when you do break through, or someone you know breaks through, 
and you kind of wonder. See, the thing is, is that people think it's always the genius Mm -hmm. that breaks through. But if you think about it, there's maybe one genius show that comes out like a year Mm -hmm. or one genius movie that you're like, wow, who the hell came up with that? The rest of it is all like really, really just well done stuff Mm -hmm. that engages you the right way. And it's, but people are always thinking it's the genius, and it's, and, it, and it's, it's rare that, that that stuff even hits because the stuff you read that's really genius that it's like, that people can't that most people can't quantify it, and then they go, I don't know what the data is going to tell me. The right. data is going to determine so much about if someone's really going to say yes at this point in the game <laughs> that if something that seems too oddball, then. Uh, you know, there's no model, and they're yeah. gonna say no because they don't because because no one, I'm saying no one, but most people don't have the stones to say I'm gonna make a hundred million dollar bet. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make that bet. I don't care what it is, hundred million dollar. I mean, like who has that? Like you know, what's his name could do that? Um, Floyd Mayweather. Can yeah. throw a <laughs> most people can't. And the thing is, is that that's the you know, there's such fear. About making that bet for all those executives that if you know if you if if it blows up in your face, it blows up in your face bad because you can't ever like. You, I like you, people you who know. take chances though. But I you like but, it. No, no, no. Even see, if it blows up no, bad, no, no, it's but, like no, but, oh, God bless you. But see, the thing is that like the the trick about Hollywood is or the misnomer is is that when we look at it historically. It was a lot of people who were gambling, making bets. Mm-hmm. These, the movies that we love are always these things that people had, did not know how to make, did not think was going to get made, and the stuff gets made. The stuff that everyone is like, that's a no-brainer, is usually never that interesting. Right, you and know? the stuff and that it's like, the stuff that you, barely hold it together yeah, like, 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 scotch like, tape and How did you get that done? Like, who <laughs> said yes to that film or the fight on the set? Yeah. I mean, just listen to all these people. I mean, like, the, again, the couple was talking about the problems he had with... Uh, um, uh, uh, Godfather, oh Robert God. Evans, and yes. he was talking about you know there's a rumor. Okay, so he he dispels the rumor. He was like, okay, so there's a rumor that the when you went to the Godfather, you fell on the floor and were like you know and, and banging your fist when they said Marlon, when you said Marlon Brown, they said no. He's like, well, I, I he was like, no, I just, I didn't do it like that. But they did say <laughs> no like the five, or something. They said no I like five times. <laughs> I drank hard said, not, that night. They said you know with the, with anybody. With anybody mm-hmm. but Marlon Brando, right. and he was, and most people would say, "Wow, with anybody, I could get the movies a green light." Yep. But he's like, "No, I'm gonna put my heel on the ground and say I'm yeah. a Marlon." Right. And that's like, I mean, I mean, and you can say to yourself, "What is that battle?" Because you know, then after that, you got to battle for for Pacino. You got to battle for everyone right. else in the cast. Because well, I know it contributed to his wanted. heart attack much later yeah. in the years because that that type of stressful stuff and. I mean, I always think about the story of, of them saying, we don't even want the opening wedding scene. Cut that out. I'm like, are you kidding me? All this stuff. All this battle. It's like, It's because people want, it, people want the gamble. And, well, and let me it, ask you, Paul. I mean, how do you guys deal with it in, in television? You know? Like, say you write an episode, you picture a certain character as a guest star. How do you fight that battle? On your um, if I'm not the showrunner, I yeah. smile and nod. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you have any any? It, it really, say it, I think it's different all? show to show at totally. all. You know, and it, and it just depends. I mean, I've been on cable shows where the network was happy to give what they call breakage. You know, if you want to get a particular actor in or something, and they'll go up another ten grand or something to get that actor in. And then I'm on this big giant CBS. 
franchise, you know, battleship, and they just they won't give a penny. Mm-hmm. It's like you know, come do our show. Here's the price, and if yeah. not, okay. Wow. And it's just wow. it's different each one. Right. But I think I circling back to what Lisa was talking about with your and those early, those episodes you did where you know you have somebody on that 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 broke through that right. got in. I love that. And that's what uh, I the thing to me. That's the biggest thing. Like like. You get, you know, like like I look at, like when you talk about the Godfather stuff, well, I think back to like all the hard work Coppola put in before he ever got yep. the opportunity yeah, to yeah. get to that yeah. script. And yeah. what you said about people that work so hard, I recently, somebody contacted me and asked me, they said, you know, I've been trying to do this and, and my agent's bad and, and I hit this wall and I hit this wall and this wall and... And so I'm reaching out to you to be my mentor. <laughs> and and I was like, God, I get a okay, lot of Okay, let's, you know, what <laughs> let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. And she basically just wanted me to give her a job. And I'm like, well, that's not what a mentor right. is, you know? Right. And my thing is what you said, the people that are willing to grind and mm-hmm. willing to put that hard work in and willing to, you know, have 20 scripts say, no, that sucks. Right. You're, you're no good. Right. And they go and they write another one. Right. And they write another one. Those are the people that I love when they get through, and those are the ones that usually do break through, mm-hmm. and those are the ones that I want to reach back every single day and right. help pull up the wall, you know? Right. Because that's, I mean, I came out here not knowing anyone, not having any connections, and being totally clueless, and got so much bad advice. That's why that's my big button is, mm-hmm. you know, the, the bad advice that's out there that people will take money from aspiring writers and actors and artists, and I, I just think that's it. It's like the people that want it so badly that they will continue to work and continue to work and not look for the shortcut and not look for, you know, not write that one or two scripts and mm-hmm. just go, where's my house in Malibu? <laughs> right. You know, and, and like this, this person that came to me and she's a lovely human being. Um, I don't even know if she's talented because <laughs> I haven't seen any work, you know, and it was basically like, hey, can you, right. you know, mm-hmm. I, you know, I heard somebody took a chance on you in the beginning, and I, you know, when I wrote her back, yeah, I said, had seven scripts. Well, that's what I said. I said the person that took a chance on me was because I spent ten years writing and writing and writing, and then and somebody right. saw that script and mm-hmm. thought it was good, and so brought me in for an interview, right. and I interviewed and brought me in for another interview, and I interviewed. Then I got the gig. Right. So mm-hmm. technically, yeah, they took a chance on me. But I feel like I earned that it was slot on the right, right. because right. I spent right. all the time mm-hmm. trying to get better. And I, so many young writers and, and actors, too, I'm, oh, God, I'm yeah. starting to notice, come in now and they're just like, you know, where's my Ferrari? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, here. where's my where's my lead role? Mm-hmm. Where's my, you know, million dollar spec sale? <laughs> and it's and it's like that happens. Sure. Sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But don't you want to? career don't yeah. you want to you know don't you want to yeah. be See, good at what you do yes that's the, again back to my whole thing about the propaganda of hollywood is that you only hear the stories that are these these outlier stories and it's like you know what whatever 10 years ago i don't know how many is now but like there's like there's 400 movies that that, that get made and come out those 400 movies are not these million dollar spec sales right they're like there's a lot there's probably five writers in every script and, and it's yep. I mean that's where most of the writing is in, in this people take a chance when they feel they can trust you and that's like and and and, and to, to to eliminate that risk they gotta know that you've done the work that you've put yeah. in work that you've done hey I got nine scripts 
because they're gonna read one and say this is good. Is yeah. and 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 and, yeah. and and no one knows how you did that. Mm. So they want to see. Do you, well, was another one because right. I got to see if it's like continuous. Right. It's not. That's a, the Jeff Thorns thing. He says I don't burn favors. You know, he will he will go to the mattresses for you if you've got the goods. You know, and and have not been able to get a leg up or get help or something. But he's not gonna just hand it out right. and put a call in for you or do something right. if if you don't have it because then that reflects bad on him. Mm-hmm. Then. You know, people don't trust him. Then, when you have somebody that really is solid, and you recommend them, right. but and if you look at you like, mm. if you recommended two or three other people that washed out, yeah. they're going to be like, mm, yeah, right. And a lot of a lot of younger writers don't don't get that. They don't understand why you won't simply read their script, love it, and refer them to your agent or manager or some yeah. producer or whatever. They don't realize the the risk that you're putting yourself at. It's not about even you because people start judging you. Exactly. By like, so you thought this was good. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, that that's the problem. Is yep. right. Well, yeah, well, that's the thing with everything. With right. with everything you put out, even if you're recommending it or not, it's like if I put out a script, I'm telling you, I think this is good. Right. I think this is the best I can do. As opposed to in your head, well, I know this needs some work. If you know it needs some work, then you can't send it to the to the person right. who's going who the, like. Not that the person is going to hire you, that's for sure. Well, definitely a friend, a friend of yours who's going to give you notes on it is a different yes, that, thing. Yes, that's right. everything. But, but it's like, if I'm going to put a trigger on a favor, it, that has to be the best thing imaginable because nobody knows... The, like, right now, there's, this, there's, there's a film, there's a, there's a trailer that, that my brother was working on with these, these other guys. They're trying to do this thing for, uh, for Netflix and they're trying to pitch this thing. And they sent it to some people, and they got some notes back about certain shots and things. Were saying, "Oh, this looks cheap," and I was like, "As, as if, if someone said a shot looks cheap, take it out." He's like, "Well," right. and then my, the guy was like, "Yeah, but you know, there was no money spent on this." I was like, "No one is going to <laughs> ask care. you about right. how much money you spent." Right. That's like a conversation they'll never have right. with you. Right. They never say, "Well, this is great. How much you spent on it?" They might do that after they like it mm-hmm. to see if, to see if you, "Oh, I spent no money," but that but that initial response they're never going to say man if he had some money this is going to be live no. <laughs> because it, here's the thing if anybody had a lot of money it could it, it, it could have been live, okay. be live you know right. they don't want to know that st- <laughs> so so you can't you know and, and what and what they're assuming to you is that if you're giving me this then you've done your whole due diligence and thought this is the best that that it could be that's always Correct. the assumption. Is like, and most people can't even. Most people who aren't the true creatives can't even imagine what something has to be like beyond right. what it is. But here's an interesting thing that happens, Paul. You talk about it all the time. I give you a couple of pages, right? I know you give people a couple of pages, Lisa. You give them a couple of pages to read. You do the same thing when you watch somebody's reel, when you watch their demo, mm-hmm. or when you watch yep. their film. First shot, first frame, I'm like, I can tell this is going to be good or not. You know what I mean? Yes. If you're not giving me good, that first 10 seconds, I'm like, mm, the rest of it is going to be shit. It's, it, it adds up to the same thing for your first 10 pages, your first 10 seconds of your frame. Yeah, it's just I like see. Uh, this weekend I was watching um, On My Block. I binged that show. And they got me within the first five minutes of that tracking shot. It was one mm-hmm. big, long tracking shot into a, a South Central house party. Right. They got me. Hmm. Just on that, and just the things that were happening, and that, and that the confidence, 
and the characters, and they have that one tracking shot, and then you think, oh, who the character, who the main, and then it goes, right. and the last shot is on the main characters, right. and they don't look like nobody that's at the house right. party. And I was like, oh my god! And I remember I stopped and looked like, where? Am I? It was like that's four a minutes, style choice. Seconds. I like yeah. that. That's and nice. it was like, and when perfect. you said confidence, it was a confidence. confidence. And the way you the feel moved. that whether you're reading something, whether you're watching, yeah, something, it's whether you, yeah. Yeah. you know, starting this off person. with the low writer, like, well, yeah. Well, it, it, okay, particularly when you're reading something. I remember someone was telling me one time. Girl, I met. She writes on Shield, Agents of Shield. And I gave her a script to look at, um, and she was like, "What I really appreciated was is that after page two, I knew that I was in good hands with the writing because you gotta because y- you can tell. I mean, it's I, there was this old quote that that Stan Cooper used to say. I can tell in three shots if the film's gonna be any good. Right. <laughs> I was like, what the hell kind of? <laughs> but you know, but it's interesting. But you know, I, I, someone was mentioning that I was watching the opening to, um, what's this movie? You know, this movie, the thing with Chris Pine, the Hell or High Water, right? Right, right? And the opening shot, it's a long shot. It's maybe Very like five shot. minutes, but it's like right. this three sixty pan that like mm-hmm. goes shows you the whole thing, and the, the the cars come up and they run up and do the robbery, and it's like that's it's a long shot, but it's that's a long establishing shot. shot. Yeah. The first right. shot. The right. next shot is those guys they run up from behind and grab that woman. And it's right. like and it's like okay, so. You know, if you look at those three shots, it's like it's telling you a lot about that movie. It's right. telling you this is not gonna this is gonna be a robbery film, but it's gonna be a little different because that opening like three sixty pan is mm-hmm. is kind of like a slow burn thing. Yeah. It's like okay, that's the so that's the style of the film. The, this guy knows what he's doing. It's still got that pop at the and it's like that's what everyone is not necessarily realizing because mm-hmm. no one has time to keep reading. Right. You know, it's true. Totally true. So, uh, what has been your favorite episode since we're at two hundred? Well, that's a really good question. I, I don't have to pick just no, one. No, no, like, it's fine. Just you know, <clears throat> anyone I mean, that stands probably out. One, probably one with me. <laughs> Boy, that one with Paul Gio. <laughs> you know, that that six we did with Paul Gio. <laughs> what I did I love is like, when we. The, I'm sorry to interrupt you because I wanted you to finish, but just really quick before I forget is when we that guy Paul somebody let us read his right. Thing we and still break need to do that whenever you come back. That was fantastic. Yeah. When are you back? When are you back? Are you here? Uh, you, I'll be gone next couple weekends, but then after that, I'm back. All right, as soon as you come back, I'll make sure okay. we'll, we'll set it up. We'll set it up. We need right. to do that. That'd yeah. be awesome. Favorite episode. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, good. Um, we need to keep saying we need to do more of them. We need to do more. People of them. love those. Yeah, and they're fun. I because those are always big. They're episodes always the too. big episodes yeah. because it's like an honest like. Here's I've your pages. pages. A couple times to read from the Orson Welles thing, like two or three weeks we in do a so. row, and then you guys are like, I haven't got time. We don't have time. No, no, no. There was one <laughs> no. time we were gonna do it. Oh, you didn't bring it or something. First time I didn't bring it, but and we were ready, and it was just like, and then we messed up. Um, I would say some of my favorite episodes are when when we chop it up. I like it when we chop it up. It's you know when you do clapbacks, you know, and it's funny though because I listen to all the episodes because I feel like I have to, <clears throat> and I listen to them. And I was telling Chris this and some of my other friends recently. Sometimes I notice I'm just listening and I hardly ever say anything on most of the episodes. It's you guys going mm-hmm. in, but to me, I'm supposed to be just keeping it steer where we're going. You don't always have to. But I think you're brilliant at that, really, you know? not blowing smoke like okay. I. You because you're the producer of this, you're you're the orchestrator of this, and you and, and it's really a hard thing to do on podcasts. Yeah, Some people do it badly, right. really mm-hmm. badly. And you, I think you're flawless in the way you do it because you do you listen a lot, but when you interject, you do it at exactly the right time. If you know something's starting to shift way, and you'll yeah. kind of mold it back, it back a little, and then when it's time for you to bring in some knowledge and stuff about mm-hmm. what's going on, it's like that's 
you're super skilled at that. Well, thank you. you are that. because people who I know who, <clears throat> who I've told about it, they always tell me. They always say that, that they're like, he doesn't talk a lot, but what, but what he says is always on point. It's thank always you. spotless. And uh, well, I used to be concerned because especially when you and I used to go on, Lisa was like, and I would just let her go. And what I found is I would be interjecting because I thought I had to. And you notice, right. I'll let you go for a long time now. And it's mainly because I realize, <clears throat> listening to it, I'm like, oh, I'm talking for no fucking reason. Mm-hmm. That's why I always tell everybody, you have to listen to the podcast. If you do a podcast, you see where you go wrong. Oh, you know? yeah. I think so you're So for right. me, over the years, I really learned to let, especially when Lisa gets in her groove, let her go because she's got bombs and gems that she's throwing, and she needs to do it when she's, yeah. you know, it's coming out of you like... And because it won't I come still, back. I'm still blown away you're not in writer's rooms. You would be amazing. You know, I don't know if I have the... I don't, have, I don't, I don't, have, the, I don't have the patience for people yeah, sometimes. It's like, bitch, look, <laughs> no. are we going to do this or are we not going to do it? Are we going to do this? Like, please. Paul's got some shit coming. It's coming. So... And Hilliard got some shit Can coming. I just say it's this? <laughs> some of the shows. Well, what about you, Chris? What has been you? Yeah, let's get you. Because Chris, you were like, you're like our. Well, you've been listening for years. You're like so. our cousin, who comes in every now and then, and you're like our sage wise cousin. Well, he's been with us faithfully he's, he's for like the last year. Oh, I know. He's like, yeah. he's like our, our you know, yeah. you just pretty much. He was yeah. seven out of thirteen. You're seven out of thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> he, he got upgraded, didn't and he? He's he always that, and he's he got always that bump. Been, and he's always been a wonderful <laughs> filling. He got for the me trailer now when you pop outside. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, let I, me just say this before you get to that. Yeah. You've been a you've been I've told you this. You've been a great asset to the show. Um, not only because of your 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 information and your 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 expertise on film, but you have a really interesting perspective mm-hmm. on this industry. You know what I mean? Somebody who has been through it. You've pitched. You've sold shows. You've done. You know what I mean? You've directed. Your perspective, I think, is needed on the show. So Thank so you. whenever I talk to people, I'm like I don't even want to do the show without Chris on the show. You know, and I feel you know I feel the yeah, same. Yeah, and way you ain't about no you. punk, and I yeah, love that because right. some people can be between me and Hilliard. Some people can be. You know, we we, we got over. some big big personalities, so it's pushed back. <laughs> and then sometimes I leave here, I'm like, all right, let me go get my books. Like I'm going to crate. <laughs> let me find some shit. Let me go through my crates of books. This nigga said this movie from Japan. Let me go in here. I'm gonna find something for him from 1962, <laughs> from the Edo period. Like, let me tell you something. <laughs> Let me go look at my film three of O Tour right. from nineteen fifty two. I think he's making that the shit French. up. <laughs> Let me go in there. No, but I and I, and I appreciate because what it says to me is that you really you really love film, and I think that's the main reason why people get in this business: a love of the 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 craft, right. but also a love of telling good stories and watching good stories and talking about good stories. So, yeah. I mean, and you respect it. And you look, respect it. I respect yes. cinema in a way that I, I mean, I'm sure there's people who do this, but it's, it's like, like your I girlfriend. really, really <laughs> love it. And, and, it, and it hurts me so much that it's, I almost feel like it's dying because of yeah. what's happening with the industry. Yeah. And I just see more and more people talking about it and like doing podcasts and doing like these things on YouTube. And I'm like, yeah, but, the, the, but, but no one makes the movies the way they used to make the movies mm-hmm. and it's not and it's all because of right. the numbers right. but I mean like I was the other day I was watching this movie that I've been wanting to watch for like years called The Umbrellas of uh, Cherbourg mm. and I couldn't figure out why everyone was talking about Interesting this, this, love this, like love this movie love this movie love this movie and, and like the minute it comes on the first frame I'm like fuck this is why this movie is awesome it's like, literally the <laughs> first frame they get you like, like literally the they first frame you. because I'm looking at it I'm like it's like that Babylon Berlin it's, it's like oh, the, first, the first frame man. is this shot that looks like it's a, it's a watercolor painting and then this font comes up my brother's like 
and he's like, those French in their fonts, what the hell are they doing over there? I was like, <laughs> I know, like, who even does shit like that anymore? And it's just like, that's the thing that I think is so interesting. I mean, for me, it's been interesting. I mean, for a long time, I kept my like knowledge of French up just by reading those old issues of yeah. the Cahiers du Cinema because yep. I was like, what are these guys thinking about like Truffaut and Godard right. and Romer? I was like, they were these few film, these few guys who went from critics to making movies, mm-hmm. making movies that changed the the way, the way that people make movies. Mm-hmm. And I was like, they have like there's like some water over there for them, and that fascinated me to because you know because I had taken French in school and I lived there for like a summer and I knew the language sort of well, but to read it for that purpose gave me this other reason to learn it, and it was like that's just like that's just why I like it. I mean, to me, I, like to me, my favorite episodes, I think sometimes. So I, the chop-ups are really good because there's no topic and that's always Well, let me just say this to the audience. Nine times out of ten, actually, fuck it, every episode, <laughs> nothing is planned. Even when we meet people, even when we have a showrunner well, on, no, we hardly did any research no, on them. No, we like, we but, just want to meet them and have people a conversation. Come on, when people come on, like, I really enjoyed the one with the Yara Kilpatrick. Right, I thought that was right. really good because I, I liked her show. Um, what was there? Damn it, now I'm forgetting because I did because because we had seen that show, we had seen the show, <laughs> we went to see the pilot, we went to see the pilot, and it's like she just had a really, really interesting story, right. everything about where she came, you know, how she was doing that. I thought Miles was really cool, like mm-hmm. all that was really fun, uh, like time for me, you know, in terms of just like chopping up, like. Uh, with the people I think the episodes With Jeff are cool The, right. the, the first time I met Paul Was an was a episode mm-hmm. I really liked um, I think there was one We did And here's the interesting Thing that happens Chris started coming On the show And Paul would, in- would Email him And be like Who's that Chris guy <laughs> I like him Yeah You know what I mean yeah. I remember The first time I heard him right. I was like wow Who's right? I gotta meet this right. cat yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then he would say Lisa, I got to get her on the show. I got to get her on the show. I got to read something from her. You know what I mean? So people are listening to us yeah. with the things that we do. You know? Well, I'm just looking forward to uh, one day when you and I, Chris, we have our, our Roger and Ebert show. <laughs> so. And you can come in there with your little book and your little French hat. <laughs> a beret. Well, I, can sit there, I can sit there with my cigars. <laughs> with a little black light. A little with black a light. Martini in a hand. And then we watch some films and we do our thumbs up like, all right. Chris, and then the chairs swivel. The automated chairs <laughs> swivel. Oh, Give yeah. Chris a monocle. <laughs> what you think? <laughs> Did you see this movie? And you go you through like, did we see the same movie? Like, what are you talking about? I see it. It's in our future. I see it. <laughs> the French and their fonts. <laughs> the no, it's just Paul's crazy. It's, it's stuff like that is crazy. Paul, see, you, thing, I'm not sure if people. I'm not even sure if people care about that these, right. nowadays because I look at movies today and I see the the, the title sequence. I'm like, there's too many listen, critics now. No, I listen, think that's part of the problem. No, there's not too many. There's not enough good ones. Well, maybe that's the problem. But but we're overloaded with everybody. You people go on Facebook and go, here's my thought on. I bet you. I bet you. Know? you I bet you the type of persons like me who every now and then. Cinema Saturdays, <laughs> right before Saturday Night Sci-Fi, mm-hmm. I would literally go online and I'll look at like one of my favorite movie kinks. I do love opening segments, like the title sequences. Right. I love looking at classic titles. Like, I can sit there all day for like two hours. That's not all day, but two hours. <laughs> have a nice snack and just look at like my fa- the movies that I love or just movies that have great titles. They just don't make great title sequences. That's why I was so jazzed at the end of Black Panther that whole title, the ending oh, title right, sequence right, right. with the stuff. And I was like, oh my God. Well, that opening title sense. That, that was great. I think the opening was cool. Amazing. I mean, you know, to me, like, 
One of the most memorable title sequences I can remember in the last maybe 15 years is the one for Catch Me If You Can. Mm. Oh, okay. it kind of like, I think that Saul Bass yeah, I think did it was it. his yeah. last one. Last his one. Last I think that was the last right, one. Right. And, I just, and the Saul Bass's stuff is oh. so cool. Hmm. And then it disappeared. Yeah. You know, I, I think that Martin Scorsese got him to do one for um, Age of Innocence. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe he did one for the, the Casino. Mm-hmm. But his uh, but stuff like that is just awesome. And I look at stuff now, and it's like you're gonna use that, you know, sans serif font. It's super <laughs> narrow, lightweight, <laughs> and it's like what's all an app now? It's all digitized. There's not a man. person behind <laughs> it. Like there was by the way, did you know that John August has his own font? Yeah, yeah. I use this thing. Do you use the uh, the Courier Prime? Courier Prime. Yeah. Do you yeah. use it, Paul? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it's like. Um, Where do you get it? How do you get it? I don't even know. It's it's if you go to his site, you just download you just it. Download and it. Then, uh, and it comes like yeah. I use Fade In, and it's on Fade it's In. Oh, you Fade In. Yeah, and that's what I use too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like he's it, got yeah. a lot of people now yeah. just yeah. putting. Wow. Well, yeah, because because I think uh, the way he describes it is like the regular courier is a little. Um, uh, the, it's, it's does, be, does it does it work in conjunction with Final Draft though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's 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 like a little irregular on how it prints, and then and then Courier Final Draft, which is one, is very light. Right, like it's a lighter version of Courier, and his is like a his is a good version. Plus, it's almost like a bold or something. It, or no, it's just like it's it's it it just it sits on the page better. Mm-hmm. It's and it's but got, it still works on the screen. It still works that's, on the screen. That's where he found yeah, that the, the okay. difference. You yeah, know, it's right, usually yeah. one or the other. Right, yeah. right, right, right. And, and I think and, the, and Final Draft, the Final Draft Courier looks really good on the screen, right. but doesn't look good on the page. Right, and right. what's cool about his font is is that plus it's like plus the way it does italics. I prefer better that you know than the than the other one. So mm. it's just that. Okay. Um, I'm gonna switch. Yeah. Okay. Because Paul, did you say what your favorite episodes were? I missed it. I, um, I, I well, the, the one th- the, the three episodes you listened to. But the one I talked about earlier, where we where we read the the guy's oh, stuff yeah, and yeah, stuff, yeah, that yeah. was that was fantastic. And then listening to, I <laughs> kind of agree with Lisa. Like when I why you would had, you not? <laughs> these people come <laughs> in not. And I can't remember her name, but you had somebody come in and she mm-hmm. had like just grinded for, you know, however long out right. here and stuff. And she came in and she'd gotten a gig right. and she'd gotten, you know, broken through somewhere. And there was so much joy mm. in this room right. on that podcast, but also knowledge mm-hmm. and also like a great lesson, mm-hmm. you know, and I can't remember her name. Do you know which one I'm talking oh, about? Jesus. 200 but, episodes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but but the, you know what? Your, your friend that you referred us to from your show, uh, why am I going blank on her name? Talisha yeah. Rags. Talisha. Talisha! Talisha was one of my favorite episodes. Yes. Yes. She was great. Ep- yeah, she's oh great. so oh much she's game. Yeah, like Charlotte great. Edwards, you oh know God, what I mean? Yes. All those people. Yeah. Oh my God, there's been... There's been a ton. The Glimmazera's episode, you know. Yeah, those are great. Melvoy. Yeah, those are uh, good. Those are always very yeah, good. Yeah, we've had some some awesome ones. Yeah, Deborah Fisher. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can go down a lot. Um, Todd Holland, and we go back. I mean, it's it's a trip. How um, actually, we're gonna have Todd back on again because uh, me and his me and his husband are talking about shooting another pilot. Um, so I was when I was over there at the house talking. I was like, yeah, hey, we gotta have you back on the show. He's like, oh. So here, what are your plans for the next two hundred episodes? Like, what do you? What is your vision now? It's two hundred. I would love to get an assistant in here that could really take over the. Yeah. 
all the admin shit. stuff, the, <laughs> the uh, social media. Like if you Mason will. and August have their guy, I forget his right. name, that right. does mm-hmm. all that. It does all them. that shit. And you know, because I would love to. I'd love to to be doing transcripts. <clears throat> I'd love to set up a website. You know, yeah. it'd be cool. I mean, I mean, the thing I, I like about you know some of the guys, I mean, particularly Craig and them, is that they have those links and stuff that right. I think people would want to would see or. You know, I mean, the people people who've tweeted I mean, right. was that movie? What was that book? What was right, that? right, right. You know what I mean? Like, I don't uh, do none of it. Yeah, just like, you know. yeah. we should put our heads together and find somebody. I bet there's some webby dude, see, or that's, girl see, that, out see, there. That's, that's why you get the Patreon page because then you can like throw them some money, right? And then it like you know, I'll contribute. Yeah. Um, no, but it's interesting because I feel like a lot of times people. People see the thing that I always find interesting about these books that people put out about screenwriting in Hollywood is that I don't know what their journey is out here. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I mean, I look at all these people. You know, they might be they might be teachers and stuff like that, and I'm like, okay, it's cool, but I need to know what you've done because there's always like this. There's scars that you get from working. Or trying to work, or mm-hmm. or whatever it is that are so more important than the 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 fundamentals, because the fundamentals of writing and everything is it's all very it's not easy, but you there's just there's work you have to do, right. and it's like the episode we had one time where I was like, that's only thirty percent of what gets you right, jobs, right. <laughs> you know, you got the best script, mm-hmm. and never work, right. You know, because there's other things that you're not doing right that people like. It's like what Paul mentioned. Oh, well, well, come be my mentor. Mm-hmm. I don't need to to. Don't ask me that. If I like you and I like what you're doing, if you tell me what you're doing is cool, I'm gonna help you out. Right. I will help you out because. And I get that all the time. I just had a writer in here the other day, and I was like, they were like, "Well, I would love for you to mentor me." And I was like, "Well, look, I I'm kind of picky about it, and it's only because." I have a lot of access to a lot of things that I would be giving yeah. you, <clears throat> you know, whether it be even sitting here on the podcast or whatever. I have meetings here all week. I mean, they just come in and out of here. And so I want to make sure that I'm with them. I gave them, I gave them this example. I said, if I say, you see that book over there, I want you to read that book. I want you to have read it by tomorrow. That's how hungry I want somebody. You know what I mean? You were saying about earlier about, about um, mentoring people and what you want from them and what you expect from them. I need you to be hungrier than I am. Yeah. I'm already doing okay, and I'm still starving. That's what it's all about. <laughs> you know about. what I mean? <clears throat> still exactly. starving. You know? like if, I, if, if somebody says, I say, hey, Paul, can I you know, pick your brain or do whatever or meet with you? <clears throat> Excuse me. And I say, okay, let's you know, be at Starbucks at 9 a.m., right. That person should be there at eight thirty. They should need be, to be there, there at eight o'clock. Yeah, you know? <laughs> exactly. And it's like, and, and I've had those. There's a young kid right now who I met um, in 2016. I, I was, I was the. This is how bad it was. I was the prize of a Missouri screenwriting contest. Shameless, shameless. Paul was, Paul was showing off his legs again. Was, and kick and stretch. No shame for Missouri. That's that's how low. That's, that's how excuse bottom me, of the barrel. This excuse me while I whip it out. <laughs> but that's how that's how those like the the winners. There were three winners and they got to spend this like we there was this weekend writers retreat and I got to drop my knowledge on them and you know read their stuff and have one on ones with each one of them and and a kid from that that was two years ago and he and I just met on Friday Mm -hmm. because 
he just he's good, but he's willing to do whatever it takes, you know. And he's and he's got this pilot that is to me it's like a fantastic idea for a television series. Yeah. And his pilot is just like a first draft of a young writer's pilot. Yeah. And instead of, but because I know his work ethic and because I know that he's writing every single day Mm -hmm. and he comes home from his day job and goes and he writes and he gets up early and he writes, you know, I'm, I'm down with it. I'm Mm -hmm. like, let's, let's, yeah, I will absolutely help you, you know, but the people like you're saying that, Mm -hmm. that just come in and be, you know, Hilliard, you give me a job, (laughs) you know, I'm always blown away. And and what I think too, people don't realize like about you specifically, and this is what blew me away when I first started listening and I met you and stuff, like you're somebody that never stops. And you're at a level now where you could kind of cruise. And yet every time I talk to you, it's like you're writing, producing, directing, you're making documentaries, you're making these short films, you're producing this, you're doing this, you're speaking at the Guild, you're running organizations for them, you're holding this podcast every week. Mm -hmm. You're like, you never stop. True. And I'm exhausted. And, <laughs> yeah. But it's like, and you know, they should look at that and be like, okay, that's the minimum I should be doing. You know, mm-hmm. like I should be grinding that hard because that guy's already there right. and he's working that hard. Right. So how dare somebody show up, you know, get off the bus here in town and not have that work? <laughs> and now I might add another thing that Jeff Melvoin asked me to be. Um, his co-chair on the education committee. Oh, he did. Yeah, Jeff asked like, you that. Yeah, you got time. You're not you doing anything. You got time. You to cut so, back on. What something. are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Well, see, I mean, look. I, you know, there's a there was a time when, uh, um, like, Will and I were uh, needed an assistant on something, mm-hmm. and I, didn't, <coughs> um, I didn't take anyone. Mm-hmm. I ultimately didn't want to take anyone. Um, I didn't feel enough people wanted it bad enough I didn't you know because we were writing movies and stuff I was like you haven't seen enough you just ha- now granted I have a disproportionate you know like like knowledge in <laughs> right. but I still want you to have seen like some 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 seminal films because if you don't if you haven't seen those things I don't know how serious you are can't have you just watching the movies in the last 10 years that you that you loved. Right. That's I not saw enough. all the Matrix. I saw all the Matrixes. I need you to see all the stuff. And all the Avengers movies. See all the stuff that you haven't seen. Right. That you don't want to see. I mean, it's like the other day, you know, I was watching, um, I was telling you I was watching uh, um, Call Me By Your Name. Right. The minute it came on, the title sequence, I was like, oh, is this the same guy who did this movie called... Um, I am love because right. it feels the same, right. and then I realized it was, mm-hmm. and I was like, "But you know, that's because the Tajikins for I am love was one, of, was, was one of those amazing ones I've seen." And like, it came out like 2009. I mm-hmm. love this movie, right. and I was like, "But it just, it, but it, except, except that clicked to me, and I kind of want people who work with me to be able to do that." I know it's a very hard, hard. It's a hard bar to jump over, but it's, it's a like, very it, hard bar. It to is. But, but let me just say this because the, Paul, you've had assistance. I mean. What are you looking for in assistant in specific? Like I said, I need somebody to really handle social media, but they can guarantee you that all my meetings that I have, all these productions being on the set, they will get all that experience. I will send them the Pilar because I don't have time to teach them. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Like all of that. And I've done it already. I've sent probably six or seven writers to Pilar, <clears throat> and I paid for it. You know, So I know for a fact 
that what I need is for somebody to just be ready. I need some people to sometimes to be able to work out story, but I, I it's hard to work out story when they don't have any experience. That's you know my I mean? thing. That is the that's, thing. That's it's like I'll sit thing. there and I'm, th- I'm thinking about stuff and I'm like, oh, oh, this and this. I mean, like right now I'm I'm developing this thing and. I don't know anyone who's seen the movies that I'm, I'm the the genre I'm trying to work at because I'm, I'm trying to do something that's an elevated version of that. Right. And I'm like, and no one watches these movies. Hmm. Fuck. So <laughs> now I'm gonna sit down and watch like another twenty films that I've never seen. Right. Um, but it's just like, and my thing is, okay, I haven't seen them and you haven't seen them, but I need you to watch them so when I start working on the script, I can start thinking about it. Um, just the outline of it, whatever. I mean, just the character stuff. Like, I like I need to be able to talk to someone about that. Right. And I'm like, and I can't do that. <clears throat> then I don't know. It's very easy for me to be one sided because I'll sit here and just ramble all day about right. what's I'm going on. The stuff to talk about now. Oh, this movie, this, mm-hmm. this, this, this. I mean, you know, it's just, um, it's, it, it's, it's just, it's difficult for me because it becomes too much of one of this, this, this one. The street was just one. But like I said, that's why I think it's about what you need out of them. You know, what's the most important thing you need out of them, and then you can help them learn the other part. Yeah, I think what you're saying. That's why they're assistants, so they can learn. Important Mm -hmm. is that that I think what separates a good assistant from a bad assistant is, look, nobody comes out here. I want to be an assistant. You know, it's like you're becoming. (laughs) I mean, you're becoming a writer's assistant or something because Mm -hmm. you want to be a writer or because you want to do this or that. And the thing when you come in as an assistant, especially a writer's assistant, you have to be the best assistant you can be. You can't be like, hey, you're going to read my script? Did you read my script? Or, you know, hey, this or that, or I got to go do this. It's like you go in 100% on being the best assistant that this person or people have ever had. Mm -hmm. And then from that, you're, and and look, rewarded isn't the right word, but it's like that payback thing. It's like, okay, this person's busting their ass. Yeah, I'm going to read their script. Yeah, I'm going to help them out. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's a, there's a woman now, Becky Kirsch, who is, she's executive producer level now. At one point she had a deal at Sci-Fi. She was on two shows simultaneously. She, and this all happened. She was the writer's assistant on Leverage, um, 2010, 2011, 2012, because she'd busted her ass those two years, she got on staff, a staff well, writer. Just five, six years ago. Five, mm-hmm. yeah. Wow. Six, not even six years ago yet. Mm-hmm. She's now an EP and has n- not been unemployed since she got that staff mm-hmm. gig. And it all started because she killed it as the assistant. We mm-hmm. would come into the writer's room and on a Monday, and there's stacks of research that she'd done on the weekend for everything you know we right. talked about the week before. Right. And like she had charts and she would just, she would go the extra step. She would do stuff that wasn't asked right. of her. So you need charts? Maybe? She's somebody you so. need. I yeah. do need <laughs> charts. But she made, charts. She made our job so much need. easier yeah. 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 that we I mean, were like, yeah. she yeah. and so got a freelance. And the next right. year it's like John Rogers, like she has to be on staff. Have mm-hmm. to be. She earned it. Right. And she has skyrocketed since because she's talented. You know, she got in the club. Right. She stayed in the club because she got chopped. Yeah. And that's what I'll, I'll keep your thought right quick. That's why I always tell, like, when I'm, when I'm, even when I'm shooting or, or when I have a young person come in and want to intern or be a, you know, an assistant or whatever, and I'm like, I have, I have two things I need from you. And I have one main question I always ask, and you guys have heard me say this before, if I drop it, pick it up. And that's the type of person. I want that, ing, that eager, I yeah. want to help you person. My producing partner is a big casting director. She's casting movies all the time. Her assistant can't come. She asked me to come. I'm, at, I'm doing all that shit, and I'm a producer. Yeah. I help her like I'm her assistant, like the best person in the room. We were doing this show for um, 
um, Cedric the Entertainer a few years ago, and I was doing so much shit taking care of all of them. Cedric's like, man, we gotta have him have him on the show, and she's like, he's a producer. And he's like, what? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like he didn't even know. He just thought I was so good that we need I need to be on the show, and I was like. That's what, if I say I'm going to help you, I'm going to help you 100%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I give them that example. So they say even me as a producer, I'm still, you know, even you know, even when I'm on the set, I'm picking up shit, I'm grabbing, I'm breaking down, striking yeah. stuff, You're whatever. doing whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. I'm the first one there, I'm the last one to leave. Yeah, you because know? that's ultimately what it is. It's like the project has to be the best. Right. It's not about you, <clears throat> ego, your opportunity to write this episode, blah, blah, you're... It's the project has to supersede because if it does well, everybody rises. Right. If it blows up in your face, you're not getting nowhere. You know, <laughs> two people two people aren't working probably. Yeah. The other ones are like, oh, I can't put that on my resume right now, kind of thing. <laughs> um, but you know, this is this is the thing that's interesting. I mean, like I I tell people a lot of times. I mean, you know, like I'm a big Renaissance art. You know, fan. I love that stuff. I mean, I've studied that in, in, in college. And it's like so many of those famous guys, um, you know, like Rubens and, and everyone like that. And uh, like those guys were assistants, were assistants to guys like Rembrandt because right. they need that. They got to go in there and go, you know, I got to paint this ceiling on my back. Right. I'm get, you know, I don't know if I can do all Let me that. get the cushions ready. You know, so, no, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But, no, but those guys come in and there's like, you know, and it's like, okay, here's the plan. Here's my under, here's my underdrawing. I'm going to need you to put that, put that on this, the, the, the roof first right. so then I can just do the painting. Or I'm going to have you do the painting, but I, and I'm going to come in and do the next part because there's, so, there's so much stories about people who, like, who, who be copyists of... Mm-hmm. And sell art of this is a original band and it wasn't mm-hmm. things like that because the artist because the assistant came in and knew what they did so well right. and could be that good and then they became like famous in their own right mm-hmm. and it's like that's what you I mean that's essentially what happens that's the opportunity you have as assistant in the, in, on on her show mm-hmm. because as Paul would attest I mean that's like the easiest way to become a writer on a show is to be the assistant. Yeah. You know, and then the well, opposite which is of the hardest uh, job to get, now, yeah, but, right? Yeah. And the opposite <laughs> of what I just said, like like Becky Kirsch is the perfect example. And then there, like, there was another show. I won't mention the show or the assistant, but we, the writer's assistant came in. You know, first season there, and three episodes in, you know, he's coming up to us at the end of the day, like, "Hey guys, will you read my script? Will you read my script?" And then you know, we like. Yeah, man. Just Bitch, you know, give us. Coffee? Let's let's get the show going. Where is my coffee? You know, and, it, and it's just like and we're in the middle of production. We're in the middle of production right now. Yes, right. we will do that. Wait till right. I ate it. Do your job. <laughs> and then finally, we got towards the end of the season, and myself and another writer read his script, and we came and we're like, it wasn't very good, was it? <laughs> and we sat him down, and we're like, what story? Like, like what? You know, what else do you have? And, Oh, I'm working on another thing. All right. How many drafts of this did you do? Oh, yeah. uh, I think like one and a half. Okay. Don't <laughs> don't hand that to us. And then the end of the season he was offended that he wasn't getting a freelance episode. Because really? he thought, well, I showed up, I got you yeah, know. I'm the like, assistant, I'm supposed to get it, right? Yeah. yeah and yeah. it's like, well, no wonder that that guy's not working now and yeah. Becky Kirsch is an EP and When I tell you to bring up Linnell my just hit me, she flew out of town today. Oh she out. Aww. 
<laughs> sure, she did. <laughs> she and Jeff Thorne. Jeff Thorne blew us off he for did. Anaheim. Hi, Jeff. Center. Day three, the Wonder slow day. Too, what the Wonder hell? Time. It's the slow day, though. It was Sunday. Time. It's the slow day. But this is where all the stuff, you can get cheap stuff. Like your, He can your, still go right now if the show's over. Going on still going on there? I can still go yeah, right now. Like Jeff could I have might. done. Like Jeff could have done if he'd been I here might. with us. Right. He could have gotten in his fancy little car and driven down there. Yeah, but he's no, a Tesla, he's, doesn't he? If he doesn't, might. he's tripping. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. He's out there. He's down there dressed like Tomb Raider right now. <laughs> you know who he is. Tank top on. Shorts going on. Those those khaki right. shorts. Yeah, those hiking boots. Some Timberlands <laughs> going. Some big Timberlands. Those spandex. <laughs> you know what Thorne's doing. We Don't listen to him, Jeff. Don't listen to him, Jeff. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, thank y'all. That was, that was that was funny, man. That was a good episode. Uh, good Dude, Lord. congratulations. 200. You. Both 200. of you, Lisa oh, and no. Hilliard. And then our new player, Chris. Thanks, man. Yay. Yeah. Looking for an assistant. A new exactly. series regular. You've been on at least 40, haven't you? <laughs> I don't even know. I don't count, <laughs> I don't count anything. <laughs> I'm like the worst person on all this stuff because people come up to me and ask me, oh, that's so good what you're talking about. I was like, you don't even remember. I don't even I don't remember. About. I know. It's like, I you, have to, I re- like you have to remind me yeah. like the exact context. Somebody tweeted, oh, it was a great episode. And I was like, was I on that episode? I don't even know. <laughs> 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 was uh, you know, and they tell me, oh, you just shot this week. I was like, yeah, but we record in a, like, I'm, I'm right. not sure, you know, I'm not even yeah. sure when, what, which, which, you know, what's coming out when to come out. Right, because people don't know. Sometimes we stack them. So sometimes we'll tape two episodes in one day or sometimes three, three if we yeah. have to. And so, um, you know, and they come out once a week. Mm-hmm. So it might be some shit we did three weeks ago. ago. And you're like, what? You know what I, I mean? don't even remember. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to remember tomorrow, though. So if you told me, what, what did you guys talk about yesterday? Yeah. I, was like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, yeah, with two, I, I, mean, I, I know the broad topic, but right. I don't know any details. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we want to have you on more, Paul. You know what I mean? For, yeah. for these, I know you're busy. But um, definitely, you know. Maybe. No, I'm gonna, uh, now I'm coming into my, my free form season. So right, this right, is where right. I, I go back to. Uh, you know, but usually you head home line. for a minute. Yeah, I'm going to head home here this next week for a little bit, and then I'll be back. So, so you'll be back by the end of April or something like that? Middle of April, yeah. Okay, all right. We'll get it in. Well, let, we'll set it up with Paul, the other Paul. <clears throat> yeah, Paul we got to do that episode. So we can get that episode. He's, I know he said he rewrote the script. I can't remember if he sent it to me. And we got to get ready for Infinity Wars. Oh. Yeah. If you want. <laughs> Who's watching If you that care movie? about that. I mean. <laughs> <clears throat> Anywho, I'm, 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 are we going down to San Diego hey, to watch that? Hey. Like, we're taking the train. That's, that's what Jeff. That's what Paul was saying. We take the train down there. Hey, hey, yeah. hey, check it out, y'all. Uh, Fan Brother Show. They had a, a hashtag called Infinity Fade, Infinity and we were taking bets online to see who gonna get it. Right. And the new movie, like who gonna live? <laughs> who gonna, who gonna Infinity, Infinity Fade. Fade. Like who is not gonna make I, it? That's no. funny. I mean, I, look, I already know. But see, that's the that's the only thing about Marvel movies that. Um, <laughs> So one thing that always disappoints me, it's never a surprise. <laughs> Marvel. Where is that? Never a surprise. There is that. There, I mean, because... Were you surprised at any point during Black Panther? Nope. No. That's still a good movie. That's a great movie, but I'm not surprised. I mean, that's, and, I, and it bothers me for this the reason. The action scenes still bother me, but... Well, it's not about the action. No, but this is what bothers me, because as a kid, when I would read comics... 
they would surprise the fuck out of me right. because that's what would make you come back to the next episode. They end they end the episode and you're like, oh shit, right. someone so got killed or right. someone so still alive right. or uh, his mask came uh, off. Oh shit, you know, <laughs> ne- next month, next Not month, next obvious. month, right. and then you know, then the end of the next one. Oh shit, more shit. You know, it's you and you know, the, I mean, that to me is what always made comics so great. And right. I I know that it's harder to do in the movie. But you could surprise me. But I, I will say this. You were the one, uh, I would say, a couple of years ago when we were propping this movie up. And you said, you, and I, I've got to find the episode, where basically you just said that, I bet you in a month it's going to make a billion dollars. And I was like, I mean, I'm sure it's going to make a billion. Right. I don't think it's going to make it that fast, bro. <laughs> so I stand corrected. <laughs> well, Chris keeps saying, you think it's going to be the last movie that makes that it's kind of money in a while. Th- you well, don't think Infinity War is going to do that again? No. I don't know. If it not does do big number, it's not because that. it's that tail end of oh, Black Oh, I think it's going to do big numbers. Black Panther's it's big numbers. not going to do sick numbers yeah. like Black Panther. No, yeah. There's there's big numbers, and then Black Panther's up there with one other movie of all time. <laughs> that's that's just that's yeah, the penthouse. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I kind of think that the difference between Black Panther and Infinity War is there's a little <laughs> bit, I think there's a little bit of hero fatigue that will set in on Infinity War. I mean, it could be a great movie. It could be, and and, and I mean, theoretically, it could be like the best Marvel movie. But there's something different about a different type of response that was that was that was fulfilled with Black Panther. It's interesting you bring that up because this isn't exactly that. But I've wondered about. It seems that they are churning them out at such a high rate now. Right. Like you don't go more than a couple three months without a a giant superhero movie coming out marvel and dc you know and i'm just wondering at some point is that gonna hurt is that gonna start you would think you know like people are gonna get saturated and tired it's like oh i just saw you know but i see that as the opportunity for those other films that counter programming to come in and clean up on the other end they should i mean Mm -hmm. you know because i could you know because this year this is your end people i I think that marvel (laughs) has four movies out this year maybe Mm -hmm. three i know they have black panther infinity war one they Mm -hmm. have the ant-man and wasp is in the summer and do they have the deadpool 2 when's deadpool 2 coming out deadpool 2 is the summer Mm -hmm. and then do they have another is infinity war 2 this year is that next year i think next year. yeah they wouldn't come out that fast would they well, they might. no, because because sometimes like the Harry Potter would do stuff where they do part one of the summer and part two in, the, in at Christmas time. Hmm. So so maybe the Infinity War two will come out later in the year. I don't know, but I think you're right, Paul. I think that people. Although I said this discussion one time with um, Jeff Thorne about you know that th- these movies are the new action films. Yeah. And uh, you're talking about the guy who's in short pants at WonderCon right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. don't listen so to later him. I bet he's in later hosen. <laughs> with the hat, the, the little Tyrolean hat. That. You know, I he's think that's a possibility. That's a possibility. You guys are terrible. Ricola. <laughs> That's Jeff oh, right now. He's somewhere in Anaheim. Oh my god! <laughs> he has a terrible. That was the best joke in six months. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> okay, oh y'all youngsters out there. 
there used to be a commercial. <laughs> it's still out. That commercial's still out. <laughs> <laughs> you got my eyes wide. Jesus. That was hilarious. <laughs> so where are you at, Paul? <clears throat> uh, I'm still uh, hanging around Twitter. So I'm at least at... by the end of the year, you might be done. Right? <laughs> yeah, I experienced uh, what going viral is this year with my, my Dana Lash tweet. Right. What was this? Did you... I... Oh, um, kid. one night right before I went to bed. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you had two big viral moments, haven't you? This one, was, <clears throat> this one scared me. Um, the night of the CNN town hall meeting, do you remember that? Right, where right. she was there, Dana Lash oh, is the, the NRA guns. chick. Yeah. Okay, yeah, and yeah. she was there and somebody else, I don't know, Ruby or somebody. And it was, it was right after, I think, Florida had happened. It uh-huh. was before Emma Gonzalez and had right. started all the March stuff. Right. And I was just watching her, and she's from St. Louis. Uh-oh. And I knew her because she had she started out. She had a blog. She had a mommy blog <laughs> called the Mama Logs. The Mama Logs. The Mama Logs. Yeah. And cute. she That's cute. she contacted me in St. Louis because I I was this was like ten twelve years ago. So I was not what I am out here now. But I was mm-hmm. like a big thing in St. Louis because I was one of the only screenwriters there. And I met with her, and she was pitching me this idea she had for TV because she had a little local radio show she was trying to get off the ground that was coincided with her blog. Mm-hmm. And so she was pitching me this, you know, television show that she would star in as a version <laughs> of herself as the hot mom who was this right wing, you know, badass and she wow. lived in this neighborhood of all these, you know, liberal women and she was just talking and I was listening to her and I sat down taking it seriously back then, but then the more I listened to her and talked to her, I was like, oh, all she cares about is fame and money she's not interested in like story or really right. creating anything and right. so you know i declined and so anyways the night of that town hall meeting i was wa- i was watching her and i was like oh, god dana Lush, how funny and i just tweeted out without even thinking about it that story i just said yeah funny she came to me 10 years ago mm-hmm. and wanted to pitch this thing and i went to bed <laughs> Famous last words. We woke up and we woke up <laughs> woke up and apparently while i was sleeping um Pat Oswalt That's the new, that's a new movie title. Quoted it and retweeted it. Really? And then it just blew up. And over the Wait, course, how did I miss this? What was I know, this? I was like, what was this? It was whenever that was, last was like, like a, like several a weeks ago, ago huh? like a month ago. Okay. And it went uh, I think like to date, like yeah. that thing has like two and a half million engagements what? and like thirty one thousand likes and ten thousand retweets. Oh, it went by the way, it was just last Sunday, Bill Maher. What? Talking about my tweet on, uh, on Bill Maher on oh. what it was real time. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I watched that. I haven't seen that. Yeah, the last episode. episode during his new rules segment. <laughs> right. How did I miss that? Because I would have been. Wow. Quotes me. I had. I was contacted by Page Six. I was what? contacted by Deadline. Deadline ran a, a front page website story on it, and they, everybody was like trying to con. And I was just like, oh Jesus. Wow. And I got a little worried about my kids. Yeah. Because they're in St. Right. Louis right. with all the red state wackos, right. Right. and you know. <laughs> And so I, it that's just real. like for 48 hours, <laughs> that's a movie it, was, that's a uh-huh. it was ridiculous. Uh-huh. It just went, I, I think I got 3000 new Twitter followers off wow. of that. And every like big people were, were retweeting it and quoting it and talking about it. And all these news organizations were running the story without even like they would contact me and I was just ignoring it. Like I didn't respond to any of their emails mm-hmm. and they run the story anyways. And it would just say NCIS New Orleans producer Paul Gio says the day in a laugh. And so it finally it died down and then this past Sunday Bill Maher did it, you know, did a segment on it and quoted 
me and my tweet and stuff when he, he bashed her in his new rules segment. And I really enjoyed, this was sort of my crowning moment of the whole thing. Cause she had like, luckily for me, I was happy. She never engaged about it. Right. I just wanted it right. to go away. Cause right. it was so massive. And then after Bill Maher Sunday night, she tweeted, oh, really? she tweeted, she said, um, that that guy is a Weinstein wannabe skis, what? and I've never met him in my life. And if I wanted to do a show, I'd just call my agent because I have an agent because my agent <laughs> handles everything. And so she's denying she ever met. Oh, him? totally yeah. denied. And it's so funny because I'm not going to engage with her because I don't. But it's like, no, I I can tell stuff about you. You drove a Chrysler Pacifica <laughs> that you called the Starship <laughs> Enterprise. Your, your license. And she I know exactly where we met, and I know about her husband who was an aspiring musician who tried to give me a CD of his music. And wow, you know, but I just let it all go yeah. and but it's just funny I was like oh I'm a Weinstein wannabe skis that's my favorite insult wow. I think I've ever been <laughs> throwing at me wow. too funny. but that was yeah so that went viral last month and it was it was it was scary how did neither one of you retweet that I, I, I don't know I, and I follow I you know. and I get all your tweets yeah, I missed that follow yeah, you uh, I just you know it was madness it was madness did you have a hashtag it was like going crazy no I just tweeted it because for me a lot of times I just went berserk not on Twitter I just you know, yeah, I'm hardly ever. Just uh, I wanted them I, I, in the afternoon, something, and then right. I don't look at it for like a week. Did you say what your site was yeah. on? But so anyway, so that's where I am on Twitter. I'm fit. What? what I, the reason I started telling that is, I'm on Twitter. And you know, I'm on Twitter a lot. But like when that happened, mm-hmm. I backed away. Yeah, like I like, got off for about five or six days because it just like overwhelmed me. It was okay, scary. Okay, that's right. what it was. Right. You didn't get on there for a while. Yeah, I was I was not on. But I'm Fizzhog, F-I-Z-Z-H-O-G-G. Someday. <laughs> One day you're going to tell Someday I'll tell the, the story, is. the origin story of Fizzhog. <laughs> you have to, have to unveil his little mask, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Where you at, Chris? I'm Batman. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, at, at unauthorizedcbd, and at shadowboxercinema.net. The reel is on the site. It opens. You go to the site. The first thing you see is the reel. Okay. Oh, cool. Lisa, Lisa. <clears throat> well, Closer. sorry, I'm looking on here because I'm trying to, I'm being nosy. I'm being nosy, y'all. Um, you can find me on Twitter. <laughs> That's all you got to say? <laughs> you can find me on Twitter. Um, you can also uh, find me at Bitch Flicks. You can also find me, where else am I? You're on that sci-fi? I oh, I have a piece on Sci-Fi Wire about Black Panther. I got to come up with some new stuff. So, yeah, you can find me there. I will be in Madison, Wisconsin in May. I'll probably be doing a horror panel there. So if you're coming down to Wisconsin, um, come 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 say hello, but carefully. <laughs> <laughs> Don't rush up on my Gently. sister. Yeah. Be gentle. Exactly. Just say hey, I follow you on blah blah blah. Okay, cool. And I'm looking forward to. I'm trying. Um, uh, looking forward to seeing um, folks at Universal Fan Con. We'll see how that works out because there's a couple of the things I want to do this year, and I got to figure out okay. if I want to do it. <clears throat> but I also got to see Infinity Wars with my peeps, so I gotta. I gotta make some When's decisions. it come out? It comes out April twenty seventh, I believe. Okay. They mm, moved yes, the date. Correct. They moved the date up. That's correct. We will so, be twenty seventh. Yes. Okay. Let's Where are you at Hilliard? I am at Hilliard Guest on Twitter and Instagram. You guys can follow the show. Screenwriters are on Twitter. <clears throat> Any questions? ScreenwritersRantRoom at gmail.com. Um, please go on iTunes. Give us a five star review. Uh, Apple Podcasts, whatever you guys listen to, Stitcher, Google Docs, whatever the fuck. Um, <clears throat> Why are you looking at me all crazy? No, I forgot to tell people and asking she you guys. I'm sorry. Shit, I'm sorry. Yeah. I forgot to look at it. We're trying to sign off. Okay, then, go ahead, sign off. I was going to ask if anybody watched Roxanne. 
Oh, I was going to ask you that earlier while we were talking. Roxanne, We like Roxanne. tweeted it, but I just wanted to see when I saw I'm it. Be calling man. her a crab. <laughs> <laughs> calling her a crab, but just a figure of speech because she's an apple. I haven't seen it yet. I want to see it. A palm it. on the beach. I, I do want to see it. <laughs> Don't let me get into it now. <laughs> I, think, I think it was like last year, a friend of mine who's an executive MGM was saying it just was an amazing movie. and It's on Netflix now. And anybody can watch it. And, and those guys like really, really wanted to... Um, and that's Forrest Whitaker's company who produced that. Oh, is it? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. He's starting well, to produce Forrest Whitaker was behind... Um, dope. Fruitvale Station. Station. And Dope. Yeah. <clears throat> He's doing some movies. Yeah. Um, Speaking ooh. of Dope, please watch On My Block. It reminds me... You need to watch that. It okay. reminds me of so much of Dope. Okay. Okay. Cool. <laughs> it's in my queue, actually. It's in my queue. It's so um, cute. That's what's up. That's what's up. Can I just so, say... <laughs> One more thing. Listen, it's 200th episode. I can say this. It's 204 right, now. It's going to be a long Listen, episode. listen, 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 listen. I just want to say to the creators of that show, I just want to say thank you so much for On My Block because this is probably the first time I've seen a character, a little black girl character who was so close to me when I was that age. So I'm really excited about the show. So everybody go see On My Block. Cool. That's Netflix. That. <clears throat> um, oh, I got something I want to talk about. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. All right. Uh, <laughs> Where's Thorn? I hear him. Yeah. I'm the picture. <laughs> when you picture him, uh, that's what makes it gold. You guys are uh, bad, bad, bad. We've bad got to get him that just hat. Like quite, doesn't that quite fit. Fun. It's like a little small for his head. It's green with yeah, the little, little like uh, with the little. With it's the little, sitting little, on the side like yeah, this. it's all pimped to the side. Shorts. So y'all know how we do it on the rant room. Thank y'all. We appreciate y'all keeping us up to t- uh, episode two hundred. We really do. All the fans all over the world. We love y'all, motherfuckers. Big shout out to my dude <clears throat> Eric Harper, who um, Harden, sorry, who does our um, our editing. We appreciate you too. <clears throat> um, and uh, Mick Betancourt, I got to give him a big shout out because uh, he's he's a big part of the reason why I'm doing this show too. Didn't even mention that earlier. Um, you know Mick Betancourt? I have, no, I've, I, I have hear his name you. all That's the time. We've dude. never met. I ran into him the other day. I'd love to meet that guy. <clears throat> That's my dude. Um, anyway, so all the love to you guys. Y'all know how we do it on the Rant Room. On this show, we keep it real. We keep it opinionated. We keep it what y'all? Wakanda, Wakanda. forever. Peace, y'all. Ciao. I'm going to say what I feel. And I promise to keep it real. Welcome to the Red Room. So you wanna be a rider? Well, you gotta be a rider till your fears are diminished and the doubts are behind ya. It's hard to grind and the business got me stressed in the Red Room. We let that shit up off our chest. You know the street nerd has got no time for no kata. Sass in class, yes, they missed the bowl of kaja. Never have to guess when you're listening to Hilliard. He gon' bring more game than a shark playing billiards. It's all about the crap of screenwriting. It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening. Your pen and words are like bullets in a gun. Write what you feel, say what you want. Welcome to the Red Room. Red Room. Red Room.